Listen, you smell something? Human emotions are materializing in the form of a viscous psychoreactive plasm with explosive supernormal potential. What a discovery, a psychoreactive substance. Do you know what this equipment is used for? Boggle or Super Mario Brothers? We'll have fun! Yeah! Yes, you're doing a really quite good work there. My friend, don't be a jerk. We've got no choice. Call a Ghostbusters. Super Jackpot! Welcome to Extraplasm Podcast. It's the only podcast on the internet that spent its weekend summoning ghosts into its living room windows using a fleet of cursed LED projectors and some cheap shower curtains. I'm your host, Jim Maritato, aka Vink Maniac from the internet, and I'm stoked to wish you a happy start to October and the spookiest season of the year. And indeed, I did spend a good portion of my weekend hanging up shower curtains in the windows and setting up LED projectors for reverse projection. Uh, and if you came by my house at night, you would find an active haunt in progress. This is because every October, I transform our house into a bust in progress that culminates in Halloween when we dress as Ghostbusters, bring out a Honda-based Ectomobile, and entertain the kids in the neighborhood. And to be honest, this is one of my favorite things about this holiday season because it connects me with my neighbors and became really important for us, you know, especially after COVID. Uh, during the COVID Halloween season, there was not a lot of trick-or-treating going on. There were not a lot of events because you couldn't run them. Uh, and so we took it upon ourselves to individually bag candy and Ziploc bags and, uh, you know, wear gloves and put on masks and go out and be there for our neighbors when a lot of kids had nowhere else to go. And so it's become something that really connects me with the folks we live near and that I look forward to every year. So if you're out there getting ready for the Halloween season, welcome to October. I'm happy to celebrate with you. But it's not just October we're celebrating. It's also Ectober. And Mr. Ectober himself has returned to the podcast this week. John Yurkaba joins the show for a conversation about his recent work drawing Godzilla comics, our thoughts on Ghostbusters soundtracks, our hopes for a forthcoming Ghostbusters trailer, Ghostbusters storytelling to come, and perhaps most importantly, John's month-long narrative project, Ectober, Midnight Run. If you're not familiar with Ectober, it's a story John produced in collaboration with his brother in 2020 during the pandemic and that unfolded over the course of October for the Halloween season. So this year, John's continuing the story they told in 2020 about the real Ghostbusters encountering a phenomenon that leads them to battle movie monsters from classic horror and Halloween films, and that ultimately saw the Ghostbusters trapped in another dimension. As John talks about in this episode, this year's October will continue that story and promises to be an exciting month-long adventure. So I want to give a very special thanks to John for coming on the podcast this week because if you've been paying attention over the last few weeks, we've been dealing with some haunting interruptions during headlines, and all of those were apparently the result of this October phenomenon as some form of black magic viral marketing. And that marketing might not have paid off in this week's episode if technology had its way, as John's computer kind of became possessed and decided to catastrophically fail in the midst of recording this week's episode. So I have to say, John was a total trooper and put in some serious late hours with me on Sunday night to make sure we brought you an episode. So please extend him a warm welcome with your listening ears this week, even though his mic quality might not be as good as previous episodes because we had to record it using an app in his phone. So, um, but John's a great guest, a great friend of the show, um, a great um, artist, a great comic book artist, a great storyteller. Uh, so tune in because it's never boring when John's here. We're going to get to that conversation with John in a few minutes. But before we do, we need to talk about a few Ghostbusters headlines. 
Still making headlines all across the country, the Ghostbusters are at it again. Today, the entire eastern seaboard is alive with talk of incidents of paranormal activity. Call in topic today, ghosts and ghostbusting. Extraplasm, read all about it. Ghostbusters headlines coming at you. Up first in headlines, we usually talk about the official things that are going on from Ghost Corps. And the reality is that there's not anything really new or official to report this week. So I feel like I'm going to say that and then wake up the next morning after releasing an episode overnight to a teaser trailer and feeling really dumb. Um, if that happens, by the way, I will gladly accept feeling really dumb. Um, I will be very happy to see a trailer, but uh, there's no word on one yet. That being said, I'm maintaining we've got to see one pretty soon. Uh, at this point, I kind of really need to see one. As you'll hear me and John talk about this week, I'm very eager to start learning more about what this movie is who some of the newcoming cast members are, uh, what their roles are going to be in this, you know, Ghostbusters franchise moving forward, etc. So um, I, I still think we're probably going to have to see a trailer by the end of the month if we're going to see a trailer with less than, you know, five months before a movie comes out. So um, we'll see. Let's all keep our fingers crossed and maybe um, I'll release, release an episode this week or next week or the week after and then find that I'm immediately out of date and saying that there's not currently a trailer. Uh, in other sort of Ghostbusters news that's not official about production, let's talk about merch for a moment. Toy Fair happened this past weekend, and though Hasbro, who holds the primary toy license or master toy license for Ghostbusters, did not attend, we did see at least one forthcoming Ghostbusters toy. Apparently, there is some like new, squishy, stretchy, Stay Puft Marshmallow Man that's being released as part of a toy line called Heroes of Gujitsu. I have never heard of this before until this week. Um, so if I sound uninformed, if you have kids and they collect this or something, sorry for being out of the loop. Uh, but these are apparently like stretch Armstrong style figurines. They're like four inches tall. They're made of some sort of rubbery substance or whatever that lets you stretch them almost to a point of feeling like slime. Hence the name Gujitsu. Uh, and so I, again, had never seen this toy line before, but there is a four inch tall state puff that's going to be uh, released as part of this line. The story was originally re reported in the Toy Fair edition of Toy Book Magazine. Yes, have some podcasts attended Toy Fair. They reported on it while they were on site. And then since then, James Zahn, who's the editor of Toy Book, shared some hands on photos and video of this thing while he was at Toy Fair. You can find that on Ghostbusters News really easily. This thing is kind of fun. Uh, it's like a little four inch figurine that stretches to three times its size. And it's like $13.99, the release in the spring of 2024. I can't say I'm going to run out and collect an entire new line of stretchy figurines, but I don't have a stretchy Stay Puft. I thought about it. I was like, do you have anything like this? And I was like, no. The closest thing I have to this is like a stress ball that came with a video game promo that you never want to touch because, oh my God, it's limited edition. You'll never find another one or whatever. So, um... I don't I don't know that I have anything like this and I'm kind of intrigued. So it's also worth mentioning while you're over at Ghostbusters News, if you go over there to take a look at the photos, you can also take a look at photos of the five foot tall giant sized mini puffed bobbleheads that Royal Bobbles brought to Toy Fair. Uh, this depicted figures from their existing line. And so these were not like, you know, some new product, but it was like five feet tall <laughs> of like bobbleheads, which is kind of amazing. Whoever gets to take that home after the show is getting a very cool piece for their collection. And I will say that as a person who owns an underground toys toy fair piece that's like four feet tall, right? That I have like a four foot tall plush uh, Stay Puft 
from a toy fair, you know, years, years ago that I have people ask me, where, where do you keep that? I'm like, in a room takes up a lot of space. Do you want to sell it? No, it's really unique and I'll never find another one. And that's kind of like the same thing. If you could get these Royal Bobbles, the five foot version of them, and you got to take them home. You got a really cool piece. Um, and I'm sure that there's probably people out there who would buy it from you. I'm not saying I'm not saying that's me. I don't have room for that, <laughs> but it's kind of interesting that they made that. Uh, if you haven't seen it, go take a look on Ghostbusters news because it's a pretty cool thing to see giant size bobbleheads. In other merch news, this is kind of, we'll say official merch because eventually it will be, but it's disclosure of it is kind of unofficial in a way. Um, Ghostbusters news reported on this this week that snack food and theater vendor uh, PCO group or German uh, Germany based have released on sort of a product listing for a line of different theatrical promotional items. So these are things like popcorn bags, cups, straws, trays, uh, plastic and tin popcorn buckets, etc. And so if you go over to their online store and you take a look at what PCO is offering, they, you know, don't have any photos up there of what's available, but there are certainly product listings. And there are things like metal bucket size for Ghostbuster sequel or firehouse tin with lid 200 ounces or um, let's see folding boxes size three. The big one that people have been talking about is that apparently one of these listings, you know, there's things like mini puffed figural cup 45 ounces or 100 ounce firehouse Ghostbusters. But one of the things that was identified in here that Jason Fitzsimmons has talked about is a blow mold bucket that is a ghost trap that is advertised to be 70 ounces. Um, so that I imagine that's going to be for popcorn. I don't think you're going to fill soda and then try and drink it out of a trap um, or 70 ounces. of soda would be quite a bit. It's like more than two liters. But um, this is kind of exciting. There's nothing really to see yet, but there's, you know, if you remember Afterlife, the run up to Afterlife, there was all these different collectibles that were out there. There was an Ecto-1 um, popcorn bucket from AMC. Cinemark had a little mini puffed bucket. So it's not clear where these are going to come out. Again, this is a German based uh, promotional company. So whether these are EU based items are going to come to the US is not known yet. But this is why I'm saying we've got to start seeing a trailer soon because there's people out there who are currently figuring out how to make ghost traps that popcorn goes in. And we still don't know what the name of this movie is. So, um, you know, I guess we'll get to see first which comes out first, the trailer or leaked images of a popcorn container uh, in the shape of a ghost trap. I don't know. Which one are we going to get to first? Um, place your bets now, folks. But I am very excited about this stuff. Um, I don't know that I will chase collecting this stuff as hard as I did for Afterlife because it was so huge. It was like we waited so long for a third Ghostbusters movie that it was so exciting. And I'm like out of space, <laughs> gotta be honest. But I'm pretty excited about the prospect of maybe getting a ghost trap that I can eat popcorn out of. You know, it's, it's not, I mean, granted, I have existing ghost traps I could eat popcorn out of, but they weren't designed for that. Um, this is. So we'll see what it's going to look like. I'm excited. I think it's pretty cool. Um, I also wanted to tell folks that if you're looking for Spirit Halloween Proton Packs, since we're talking about official merchandise for a moment, it's not new, right? But life-size Proton Packs have been sold out on SpiritHalloween.com. They've also been sold out probably in your local Spirit Halloween if they were ever there to begin with. but Spirit Halloween is a storefront on Amazon, 
And as it turns out, they have life-size proton packs in stock with two-day prime shipping for $249.99. So if you need a life-size proton pack before Halloween and you're freaking out and you're like, I can't find proton packs anywhere and somebody wants me to go on eBay now and pay $400 for it, don't do that. Go to Amazon, go search for Spirit Halloween Proton Pack and you'll find it. Uh, It's one of the items that'll pop up from the Spirit Halloween store. You can grab it, you can get it, and you don't have to wait until, you know, whenever Spirit Halloween is going to restock their typical store items. I've talked about this that I don't expect that to happen again because it's so close to um, not not in life, but I just mean before Halloween because we're so close to Halloween. But we'll see. I mean, they must have some in a warehouse somewhere if they're doing them on Amazon. But um, if you want to make sure you get them before they sell out, act quick because they'll probably disappear before, you know, I would say probably by the end of the week, unless they have some glut of them that they've just been hoarding. And I doubt that. <laughs> so, you know, keep that in mind. In fan and franchise oriented news. One thing I want to tell you about that's kind of like most people will already know about this, but GB fans, of course, is a website you can go to. And it's also a store that you can shop at. Um, but I want to put throw a quick shout out out there or a quick little promo out there for GB fans, because um, AJ Quick of GB fans promoted that they had slots available to get custom patches done in time for Halloween. And. Uh, you know, he had kind of had space within his production run to take on more custom patches. And so I <laughs> placed an order for custom patches at three o'clock in the morning because I'm like that. Um, and by like nine o'clock in the morning, six hours later, I had a video from AJ saying, look what I'm making. <laughs> and it was my patches. Um, my patches arrived within like three days and the they were with the post office longer than they were with with AJ Quick, um, you know, who runs GB fans. So if you need patches right now, if you need fobs, if you need anything for a flight suit, you should act now to get that stuff from GB fans. And I will say this, like I can't I can't stress how many times I've seen the silliest thing, which is people will go to GB fans on Facebook and make a post and say, where can I get name patches? From GB fans, for Christ's sakes, <laughs> that's exactly where you can get them. You can order them custom and they will be made within probably the day <laughs> because they're they're not something it takes a lot of time to produce. It's an automated process and AJ knows what he's doing. And I got my patches in the mail and they're super high quality and super nice. Um, I also got fobs. I got a new leg hose connector. If so, anything you might need for a flight suit. Go and get it now before it's gone, uh, because, you know, some of these things probably will be unavailable by the time you get to Halloween. There's so much so only so much stock of stuff. But um, and if I'm wrong about that, AJ, I'm sorry. Um, but realistically, they're like, no, we have tons of everything. Come buy it. Then fine. Go buy it. But the point I want to make here is that GB fans is, you know, well known for different things you can buy for proton pack parts and clippered valves and all kinds of obscure stuff. But if you just need custom patches done, you need them done quickly and you need them done right. Order them from GB fans because my patches came out amazing and I loved them. Um, they're, they're great. I got an extra plasm patch and a Meritato patch. Um, so I'm going to figure out where those go and what projects they're going on, but I'm definitely going to be doing a flight suit because I got a brandy new Nomex suit off eBay, uh, for cheap. So that's all going to come together in the next couple of weeks, because after all, we need to be out in front of the house running our bust for the kids to come by. Um, let's talk about something else that's going on in terms of fans and franchises and things. Ecto-1NJ's ghost tours are happening. If you recall back in episode 48, uh, 
Nick from Ecto-1NJ and Greg, the Ectotech, were on and they talked about the idea of their tours they were going to be doing in New York City. Those are totally happening now. Uh, so if you want to get involved in this, you can go and ride in a 59 Cadillac Miller Meteor, an authentic you know version of the car that is really well put together and well maintained by a Cadillac master tech who knows and, you know, who knows the Ecto one in and out. Um, they will be taking the car to visit places like Central Park West, the New York City Public Library, Hook and Ladder 8. Um, you can ride along and be part of that. You'll ride along with replica proton packs. Uh, there are photo ops. You know, if you want to put on proton packs and do things like out, you know, in case you like run into ghosts and things, um, you will get Twinkies. You'll get crunch bars. <laughs> like there's, you know, all, all kinds of, um, you know, opportunities here to do photo opera photo ops. And I mean, to live your experience of like riding in the Ecto one and being a ghostbuster, like, let's be real. Some of us perform ghostbusters for fun. We, we dress up, we do what we want to do in order to go out, have, have some fun, but most of us won't ever have the resources to get a 59 millimeter and go visit these places in New York. So if you're in the area, you want to find out more about this. Email ecto1nj at gmail.com. Um, and he, you know, you can coordinate with Nick to figure out what's involved, what the cost is, et cetera. But it's a really unique and cool thing. And, um, you know, I, if I were back East, this is something I would totally do. It's an absolutely experience that I would go and do because how many people will get to drive around New York city in an ecto one to begin with, but to, to do it, you know, in a flight suit, to do it with proton packs, to do it while eating Twinkies, um, and drinking homemade ecto cooler and, and then to go to all the locations, like this is a no brainer. If you're in the area, you should email Nick now, um, ecto one NJ at gmail.com because it's a very cool thing and not to be totally New York state centric, but, um, you know, and to be fair, the ecto one NJ is from Jersey, it's, you know, so not quite New York, but the Buffalo ghostbusters, uh, have talked this week on Facebook about how they're and Instagram, I believe about how they're doing a playing card deck. Um, which is very cool. Um, they're going to be doing a playing card deck that will feature, uh, all sorts of Ghostbusters franchises. The Moogly fan club is going to be providing artwork for these on the backs. And there's going to be a unique franchise logo on the front of each card. Uh, and so essentially what they are advertising is that there's going to be a custom box and a sheet featuring all the franchise listings. Um, and so the way this is going to work, if you want to be involved, it's, they're going to be produced and sold to benefit the 2024, uh, fundraiser that happens for hook and ladder eight. But the way they're going to do this is sort of similar to the project that was done by the windy city ghostbusters for submissions, uh, from October 1st to the last day of this year, December 31st franchises can send information to Buffalo ghostbusters. Um, by emailing info at buffaloghostbusters.com. You need to include your franchise name, a high-resolution image of your logo, your primary location, and a link to any social media accounts. And they've said that to qualify, your team has to provide all that information and also have done at least one public event during the calendar year to be considered active. Um, they want this to be fun. They don't want this to be like a drama-driven thing. Um, I don't want you to email me and tell me that you didn't get included, even though I talked about it on the podcast. So don't, you know, have fun with this. Don't get angry about it if you don't get included or your franchise is not made into a card. That being said, Buffalo, if you're out there listening, I'm just going to throw my hat in the ring here. Like if you need a logo to go on a Joker card, 
I, I might be able to supply that for you. Um, you know, I mean, it's not often that I want to be like, hey, Extraplasm is a bunch of jokers. But, you know, in this case, I'm willing to accept that that title if you're if you're willing to hand it out. So, um, you know, I'm just throwing that out there. No, no pressure. Zero pressure. Um, but for those of you who are interested in this, make sure you get in contact with Buffalo Ghostbusters at info at Buffalo And you can go over to the Buffalo Ghostbusters Facebook page and Instagram page to see mock-ups of uh, what they believe these cards are going to look like when they're done. It's a pretty cool project, I got to say. Let's talk about video game news for a couple moments. Um, The first thing we're going to talk about is that the Spirits Unleashed uh, version for the Nintendo Switch, which is called Spirits Unleashed Ecto Edition, is actually available for pre-order. And I happened to uh, miss this, I think, uh, last week when we talked about Ghostbusters video game stuff. Uh, the Ecto Edition's digital release is priced at $19.99. It contains the base game and all the downloadable content that's been out there so far. And the there's also a glow-in-the-dark uh, version of the game as a physical copy that will pre-order for, I believe, $29.99 via Amazon. So uh, if you're looking to pick up another collectible version of this video game, there's another one out there. If you're just a Nintendo Switch player who wants to play the game when it's available, the launch date for it has been announced now as October 19th, and you can pre-order between now and then. Uh, so feel free to go and do that. The other thing to think about, and you know, in terms of that launch date, is that there's another DLC coming for Spirits Unleashed. We have not been given a launch date for it, but we know that Sam Hain is in it because there's already been uh, video footage, and you know, I believe it was a live stream where they talked with the actor who played Sam Hain in the uh, new DLC. So. We know there's new content coming. It's likely coming this month. Could it be coming on the 19th alongside the Ecto edition? Maybe would seem to make some sense, but, um, you know, we'll see who knows. And the other big piece of video game news to know about is that the meta quest three, uh, has been revealed and, you know, we've been talking about the end dreams, virtual reality, ghostbusters rise of the, the ghost Lord in the last few weeks that is slated to not just come to the Quest 2, which is the existing VR system, but also to the Quest 3. We know it's coming to PS2 VR as well, but the Quest 3 version is going to include a mini-puffed game uh, that essentially <laughs> looks like you are slingshotting uh, th- mini-puffs or something. Um, <laughs> and so it's called Mini-Puffed Mayhem. Um, you can see video of this, and you can see content coverage of this over on Ghostbusters News to take a look at what this is, but essentially it sounds like this is going to be an exclusive to the Meta Quest 3, that the only way you'll be able to play this particular mini puffed mini game is if you have that device. Um, you know, it's, I'm, I gotta be honest in saying that I'm a little lost on that because I don't have a quest and I don't really know that much about VR systems, but, um, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if they decided to do something exclusive because they want people to adopt their new piece of hardware. So um, you know, more news on that as it sort of becomes available, but that game is supposed to launch by the end of the month as well. So there's a lot of video game content launching this month. There's, you know, a lot going on that even though I keep saying there's not anything official trailer wise, you know, there's there's blow molds, there's popcorn buckets, there's video games doing launches. There's got to be something coming, right? Right. <laughs> um, I, I'm going to keep just trying to will it into existence, um, but we'll see. But, um, you know, I, if I can't will it into existence, one thing I can ask you to do rather than will trailers into existence is to go and take a look at something fun for 
the end of headlines this week. And what I want to encourage you to take a look at is that Jason Fitzsimmons has been working on a project uh, that he has started to share with folks. He has been printing at 3D printing a real Ghostbusters proton pack piece by piece. And I have been privy to some of this. I have had sort of the joy of having Jason send me random parts of proton packs um, as photos and say, look what I'm making and get very excited about it. And the, the project that he's working on is incredibly cool. You can see uh, this kind of all come together as part of his Halloween countdown. You're probably following Ghostbusters news already because you listen to this podcast. But if for some reason you're not and you're not taking a look at the videos where he's putting this proton pack together, you should totally check it out because it's a really cool project. And I got to be honest, watching him do it makes me want the same 3D printer he has because I can't believe how awesome the stuff he made is without any sanding, without any paint. It's really wild. So if you're into 3D printing or if you just like seeing a project come together and it like opens up ideas creatively for you, go take a look at Jason Fitzsimmons series on the real Ghostbusters proton pack he's doing. So with our headlines wrapped up, let's turn now to my conversation with Mr. October, John Yurkaba. Joining me on Extra Plasm Podcast and revisiting the podcast for the first time in many months um, because he's been off drawing giant lizards that stomp through Tokyo and other things. A uh, friend of the podcast, awesome person, comic book artist, culture critic, uh, great human being, John Yurkaba 4 is back <laughs> for another episode. How are you doing, John Yurkaba? I am doing really well. And as always, I am honored to be here with you. I am glad you're here. I appreciate you making time. And for those who are listening at home, you should know that John seriously has made time because we've both watched John experience technological failure um, in all capacities this evening as everything that he has touched has seemed to not work. I've, I don't know if you've ever heard of this, but there's a Yiddish term that I learned when I was like coaching debate years ago from a kid, my, one of my students. He told me that he had a thing called the Kevorka. Oh, God. And I said, what is the ke- he said, what is the Kavorka? And he said, it's like a Yiddish curse. It means if you touch any technology, it just stops working. So I think you might have a case of the Kavorka. I, it, you might have to go get purged. I probably need blessings from every holy person in a 10 mile radius. Something, man. It, it's been a trip to get to this point to just hit record. <laughs> you need to go get a stack of SD cards, a bottle of, um, you know, like um, uh, holy water and a <laughs> lot of sage. And yeah. that's you have to do some sort of weird, weird digital ritual in order yeah, to get your technology to exorcism. <laughs> but I appreciate you making the effort to come on the podcast because I know that tonight has been a bit of a challenge to make it work. Um, and for those of you wondering, you're like, how many, how long of a challenge? Like a few hours. We've been trying to yeah. figure out what's wrong with <laughs> John's computer. So no, it's it's all good though, and and I'm seriously happy to be here. I I it. Whatever was in my within my power to uh, to make this happen, I was willing to do. So I'm glad it worked out. Yeah. So I'm thank you. Thank you for for going to the backup method of doing Riverside via app so we could uh, <laughs> still have a conversation. Um, and I was excited to talk to you, especially because like for those who've been trying to figure out for the last few weeks, like you kept hearing strange possessed noises in the podcast that I didn't know about. Presumably, I had no idea that there was weird things trickling into the podcast <laughs> in the middle of the headline segment. All of that um, has been because, you know, John, you've been working up to this little thing called October, um, yes. which we're going to talk about. So, yeah, but 
Um, but before we get into October stuff, which we are going to talk about, and some of you are like, oh, that's what the payoff of that is? Yes, that's what the payoff of that is that <laughs> we're going to talk about October. Like, like, what has been all this possessed noise on the podcast? That's that's because October's coming. Uh, but I did want to talk with you a bit about, you know, what's been going on with you, where you've been. I know you've been drawing Godzilla a lot. Um, how's that been going for you? Uh, it's been going really well, actually. The trade paperback of a... A comic series, a Godzilla comic series that I did um, called uh, Monsters and Protectors All Hail the King that came out toward the end of August. And uh, so, literally, like those books came out on a Tuesday. And uh, the Saturday after that, I got flown out to Fort Worth to be a part of the first ever Kaiju Go, which is, um, it is a like a, it was a little one day convention that they did out there that was all very Godzilla, tokusatsu, kaiju focused. And I was one of two artists that were featured at the event. And it was really cool. It, the The crowd was amazing. Uh, they were loving it. They showed a couple of movies. They showed one of mine, uh, my favorite um, Godzilla versus Megalon, which I really enjoy because it has Jet Jaguar in it, and I love Jet Jaguar. And uh, nice. so, yeah, it was it was just a good crowd. There's a lot of really good people, um, and and I had a ton of fun. I I grew up in Texas. I lived in Fort Worth for a while. My brother was born in Fort Worth, and it was the first time that I'd been back to that area since living there. So it was really cool to be kind of back in like the kind of the Fort Worth stockyards area. Uh, and also it, it just was really fun. I I went there literally with like 30 copies of that book thinking like, oh, you know, I'll, I'll sell a few of these and then I'll come back and I'll do a couple of events here locally in, uh, in Phoenix. And then whatever copies I have left, I'll just hang on to those and that'll be for my table at, you know, future conventions and events and stuff. Right. I, all of those books were signed and gone out the door within two hours of me being there. <laughs> it was absolute insanity. Um, and, and, you know, I, I got to the other artist that was there was Bob Eggleton, who he is just it, odds are, if you like in your head, picture anytime you've seen like a painted, like a very painterly, almost like, like oil painting, watercolor painting of Godzilla, like a movie poster or a book illustration or something odds are you're probably thinking of something that Bob did. Like he is his gotcha. work on those characters and those monsters is iconic. And uh, so to get to share that space with him and also like, I got to go out to lunch with him and, and just hang out with him. And we did like a Q and a, like, you know, not a lecture, but you know, it was the, it was a packed, like they, they had the event in this like one screen theater they had like a lobby area where they had all the booths and tables set up. And there's a lot of like uh, people that had just like Tafubi, you know, soft vinyl collectible toys and all this kind of stuff. And uh, and so the theater was packed. They were in there for the screening of one of the movies. But before the movie, Bob and I were in there talking to everybody and just everybody was just super hyped to like talk to us and, and ask questions and everything. Nice. So. It was a really good experience. I had a lot of fun. That's awesome. So now that you've been well seasoned at, you know, uh, doing Godzilla comic work and going and representing the Godzilla fandom, 
are you ready to like engage in kaiju warfare? Like, are you going to bring Stay Puffed into the Godzilla <laughs> world? Like, are you going to bring Godzilla into the Stay Puffed world? Like, I, honestly, is that a thing we get to see? I think that's something that should be avoided at all costs because, in all honesty, Stay Puffed <laughs> shows up and he wrecks stuff, but he's made of marshmallow and ectoplasm. And Godzilla will like incinerate him from a mile away. Like that's that's a fight that should be avoided at all costs. In all honesty, <laughs> can you count? Oh, this is a great question. I think I asked this question of um. I might ask this question to Jacob Walsh when he was on a while back because he's a huge Godzilla fan. Mm-hmm. But like, would you constitute the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man as a kaiju? Like, does he fit into that categorization? I think technically he does. I mean, he is for all intents and purposes. He's he's a a big monster. He's like a larger than, yeah. you know, normal monster, which is kind of the gist of what a kaiju is. I was watching a, a YouTube video not too long ago that uh, it posed the question, is Paul Bunyan a kaiju? Um, and <laughs> I started it. I started watching it and I was like, this is I'm intrigued by this. And they brought up Babe the Blue Ox and said, like, for sure, Babe is a kaiju. But let's talk about Paul. And I, I don't think I ever finished the video. I need to go back and watch it because this conversation literally just made me remember <laughs> it. But I think that's see really now you have me thinking like ask. does does that mean that like the Jolly Green Giant is also potentially? A I mean, if Paul Bunyan is, I would say for sure the Jolly Green Giant is. I feel like that's a showdown, by the way, like the Jolly Green Giant versus the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man should be like a, a battle for the nutritional souls of America. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Sugar versus fiber. <laughs> <laughs> Which of the food groups will you align yourself with? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> the green or the, or, the, or the dark arts? I don't know. No, man, calling ridiculous. it the green just makes it sound like we're talking about, like, swamp thing and, like, the primordial forces of the DC universe. But, like, <laughs> instead of, like, swamp thing representing the green, it's the jolly green giant. <laughs> right. Exactly. Oh, man. Hey, I think I think this is this is fine. You were, this is something you should definitely get to work on drawing. You know, <laughs> like that's your next print is Stay Puff versus the Jolly Green Giant versus I don't know who would be the third. Who's another J- Bob's Big Boy? Like oh, the Big God. Boy from Bob's. <laughs> oh man, that's such the a three random of them in a matchup. triple threat match. Oh jeez. <laughs> Hey, you can do this now. You've you've been dabbled in kaiju. Like that's you've now like put that as a notch on your drawing belt. <laughs> and so that means that you are now authorized to create said works. Um, you know, that's some some kaiju artist <laughs> board of approval now says that's allowed. Um or if if they don't, I do. So fine. <laughs> well, hey, that's that's the part that matters. <laughs> yeah. So, well, I, I think it's cool that you've been working on um, on Godzilla stuff. And I have to admit, like I my Godzilla knowledge is weak. Um, <laughs> what I remember of Godzilla comes from VHS cassettes that escaped from a, a video store that went out of business when I was a kid because my dad worked there and just was like, here, let's get all the Godzilla for your cousins when we go out of business. <laughs> and so Godzilla tapes lived at my grandmother's house and were a thing that I only saw there on an old VHS player that had like a pop up. Remember the pop-up VHS? Yeah. Not the one you put the thing in the yeah. front, but it had like the drawer, the, the you know, the cassette on top. I had so like I my- had the we had VHS players that they went in the front, but we had a separate um because like you could obviously like rewind the VHS tape when it was in the VCR, but we also had this separate 
just like a rewinder. It was it was this thing where it was yeah, just yeah. and it popped open from the top. And we yeah. had two. We had one that was just kind of like black. Oh man, thinking about this is a trip. I haven't thought about this in forever. <laughs> it feels like such a specific, like maybe not even everybody in the 90s knew what this was, but like it it I was did. like a separate thing. We had one that was just black, and you put the tape in there and you'd shut it. And it would rewind at like high speed just to like get it back to the yep. beginning of the tape. We yeah. had one that was just black. And you got to be, be kind. Yeah. We had one that was just rewind. black and then we had one that looked like a race car. And the race car one was attached to like the TV that the kids watched upstairs in the game room. And then the black one was downstairs with like the living room TV. Gotcha. But yeah. yeah, we uh, we had a fleet of those when my father worked <laughs> at the video store. Nice. One of my jobs was like, here's a stack of tapes, rewind them. Yep. So I remember the pop-up rewinder very well. Um, these are like back in my day, kids, oh, when know, you were man. accessing media, you had to rewind <laughs> it back to the beginning. You couldn't just scrub around inside like, of it and choose where you wanted to go. I feel like there's so <laughs> much now that it's, it's unavoidable. Like I, I have always loved that. Like I wake up every day. I watch cartoons for research. I watch nerdy movies. I draw comics. People pay me to do all this stuff that like it keeps me young. Like it makes me feel like my childhood never <laughs> yeah. ended. And then every once in a while we have a conversation like this and I'm just like, oh, man. But then I'm like, dude, you're 35. Like you're not old. But then like someone will say something like someone younger than me will say something. And it's just like objectively, maybe I'm not old, but like whatever just came out of their mouth like i support you i support your right to like speak your language and your truth <laughs> i'm lost can you explain <laughs> yeah um i was thinking about something earlier today i want to ask your point yeah. on it because i think that you'll have some in, some insights on this i was outside today today is like the you know the beginning of october yes. so i was out there working on putting the halloween decorations on the house and I started thinking about like, at first I was thinking to myself, man, it's kind of a bummer because I like to put on Halloween music and like soundtracks and things when I put work on the house. It's kind of a bummer that Afterlife didn't have like Ghostbusters Afterlife didn't have a soundtrack album. Like it had an orchestral, you know, uh, yeah, score, score album, yeah. right? But it didn't have like a soundtrack album. Like Ghostbusters 1 has one and Ghostbusters 2 has one, but Ghostbusters Afterlife and even Ghostbusters The Answer the Call has one. Yeah. But that movie did not. And I started thinking about it and I was like, man, it's kind of a bummer that didn't have that. And then I stopped and I was like, maybe it's not a bummer. It's like maybe like maybe we're kind of like beyond and past the soundtrack album, because I remember having this conversation with people when the movie came out who were like, yeah, we should have got a soundtrack. Like, why did not we get one? And I started thinking about it today. I was like, well, why do we need one? Right? Like what what would have been on it? And then I started thinking about the other Ghostbusters soundtracks. And I was like, OK, what's really on them that? <laughs> anyone really attributes to or thinks about as being related to the movie as well, like think, a, a key oh, song. Man. Like <laughs> it's, it's like it's the first one has like, an air supply track that, you know, has like two seconds in the movie. The first one, the first one I think is, I feel like every time I come on here, I say something that some portion of the fandom is going to think is blasphemous, but it's fine. I'm that guy. Um, it's okay. I set you up for that. Cause I said, <laughs> we didn't need a soundtrack. Some people right now are like think, literally clawing their eyes out. I so. think with that first one. And again, this is all relative to like, and this is not a hit on anybody, but like, how old are you? What did it mean to you when it came out? Yeah. That kind of stuff. 
for me, the only songs other than like the theme song and obviously like the score that really stuck with me on that are like uh, obviously the busboy song when they head yeah. to the hotel because it's yep. like in the movie in the movie and then um, magic for when the containment unit explodes. And, and, and let's be very, I'm going to be honest. I said the same uh, thing, but I will say this. Too. I don't, and save, but saving the day isn't available when you try to listen to it on Spotify, right? I don't oh, think it's not. Isn't that one of the things? I don't remember. I, don't I can't know. remember if like that's, oh, maybe that's just an Instagram when you try and add it to the background. I think saving the day doesn't exist. You have to go find some weird cover by some industrial music <laughs> artist. And that's why I put that behind all the extraplasm stories on Instagram. But like, yeah, like I think the same thing. But then I start thinking about even those songs. Mm. And when you get like, no, no offense to Mick Smiley, right? But like. Most of Magic is not a good song that I want to listen to. Dude, so I, I only want the parts like doom, 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 yeah, doom, I doom, used doom, to be doom. so <laughs> confused when I was a kid and I would listen to the soundtracks. I had it on like on the tape or even when I had the CD and it would get to like, oh, Magic is next. And then it would start playing and I'd be like, like I, I literally for the longest time would just be annoyed and then like skip that track because I thought. <laughs> right. That we had gotten like, have you ever listened to a song and like you hear one version of the song and it's this Mm -hmm. and then you hear another version and maybe that first version was the remix or the second version was the remix. And that is the one that is like iconic and everybody knows it. And then you hear the first one and it's like you can tell it's the same song, but it sounds nothing like or it sounds like so different from the one that everybody knows. I thought. That like we must have gotten some sort of remix or original version of it in the movie. And then when they made the soundtrack, for some reason, they in the contract or the licensing agreement or whatever, they had to put the original version of the song on there. And I was just like, this is dumb. I like the one in the movie. (laughs) But it's really just because the song is like so damn long. Yeah. Like, I didn't realize until honestly like an embarrassing amount of time later like oh it's the same song it's just like there's an abrupt change (laughs) right and it's like and i like the thompson twins song that's on that soundtrack but like i don't associate that song yeah with the movie it's like it's it happens in the background of a scene but like i don't think of it as being only those couple of songs where it's like a prominent part of a prominent scene that you're like oh yeah this is from ghostbusters like it's a right. Ghostbusters song. And even with like <laughs> like with Ghostbusters 2, I generally speaking like that soundtrack a lot more. Like that appeals to me a lot more. And like obviously you have like On Our Own and you have We're Back. Uh, and then you have like Run DMC doing the theme song and all that kind of stuff. But even then it's like there's stuff on there that even though generally speaking, I'm like, if you told me you have to sit down and listen to one of these from start to finish, I'd rather listen to the right. Ghostbusters 2 soundtrack. <laughs> There's songs on that one where it's just like, this was, this was in the movie? Was this in the movie? <laughs> like there's an Elton John song on yeah, there. Exactly. <laughs> like, I was just like, like what I don't is remember this? this at all. And then when you talk about like answer the call, something that I kind of like, to me, and this be careful. Like, be care- no, be we're careful. Not even, we're you're stepping not even in the minefield. The movie. We're not even talking about the movie. <laughs> this has zero to do with the movie. I I think something I've always thought, and I know I'm in the min- minority here, because I love one of the things I love doing, especially the, around this time of year, is just going on YouTube 
and looking up like Ghostbusters cover songs and searching by upload yeah. date. Because around yeah, this yeah. time is when musicians and bands come out of the woodwork and they're just like, for Halloween, we covered Ghostbusters. And some of mm-hmm. them are pretty good. Um, like there's, I forget his name, um, Rob something. I forgot his name, but I'll have to look it up. But he put out like this epic version of the Ghostbusters theme song, and I've been listening to yeah. it nonstop. And it just gets me in. Like to me, it's like the difference between like what normal people hear when they hear the Ghostbusters theme song, and it's just like the song <laughs> as is. And then it's like what John hears when he hears the Ghostbusters theme song, and it's like dun 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 dun. It, like it's, <laughs> I love it so much. Um, I would love if at some point they just like put out two albums and one was like the album of of, like music from and inspired by the movie. And then another album that was just a collection of musical artists doing covers of the theme song. Like (laughs) one of the things that I kind of loved about the answer, the call soundtrack is that every other song on it was a different person doing the theme song. And I was like, let's just have a whole album of that. And then an album of the other stuff. I do think that like, in terms of like <laughs> I the answer to the call soundtrack, other than like one or two tracks, felt a little try hard to me because like you had stuff that was like uh what was it, never saw it coming. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I like this. Like this to me, it again, blasphemy time. I'm not even saying it's as good as or I like it just as much as on our own, but it feels like the on our own of that soundtrack. Like it's a good right. song. It's catchy. It's easy to listen to. It gets stuck in your head. It's well done. But then you have <laughs> you have that other song. I think it's from like one of the One Direction guys or something where he's like, who are you going to call, going to call? And I'm like, are we really <laughs> trying to turn this into like a like the Ghostbusters catchphrase into like. Uh, a love song when there's not even like a love story in the movie (laughs) you're you're hitting on for me though like why i decided after working outside for a few hours that we don't really need a soundtrack because like my concern is that it goes one of two ways either a you are trying to like and this is to be real like why afterlife didn't need a soundtrack afterlife didn't bring out like any new artists to do anything new at all i will say that like let's use existing songs right I think it made complete sense that Afterlife did not have a pop music soundtrack because it wouldn't have made sense. Like the nice thing about both the original film soundtrack, Ghostbusters 2 soundtrack, Answer the Call, and even just like looking at other movies like the Spider-Man soundtracks are some of my favorite films, like the Sam Raimi Spider-Mans are some of my favorite film soundtracks ever. Like the Spider-Man 2 soundtrack is one of my favorite albums of all time. Like right. that yeah. collection of music is brilliant. And that is before you even get into like, oh, and this is why it makes sense to put on like a Spider-Man soundtrack. And I think that works because Spider-Man, like, I don't know how to say it, but it's like when you have a family that's just like stuck in the middle of nowhere, it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like there's as many opportunities to like, let's put a pop song in this, you know, like it's going right. to sound weird to just like have as Trevor's like looking around in the dark to see what's like in the barn. And then you just hear like, <laughs> I don't know, Taylor Swift in the background or something. It's like, why, what is this? 
Right. It might make sense if now we're in Firehouse and there's a scene where like the kids are going to school and their mom is just like, you better finish your homework if you want to go on on calls with the guys later tonight or I don't know, whatever the story is. Right. And it's just like this almost like a montage of like, eat your food, do your homework. Is your, did you do this? Did you do this? Did you do the laundry? Okay, fine. You can suit up and go with the guys. And then it's like, I could totally imagine as all of that quickness is happening, it makes fun to put, or it makes sense to put like a fun pop song behind it, you know? Yeah. Yep. I, I hear you. Like, and that's, um, I think that part of the worry I have is about, um, injecting songs into things that don't need it. Yeah. Right. And, and like, sort of cre- like putting things in there that, right. It's like, it's about balancing it out. And I think it's weird, but like, this is the other side of this is I feel like that. I don't know. Like, I don't know. I'm trying to think about what movies actually have had like compelling soundtracks, uh-huh. um, like in the last five years, even where it's like, yeah, and everybody needed to get that. And like, the only thing I come up with was like the guardians of the galaxy movies. But even then that's not like, new soundtrack work for the most part most of it well, is like here's an awesome mixtape but that's that goes thing. along but with this you know and that, again that that's the balance because like i think oftentimes nowadays when there's a soundtrack that doesn't have a purpose in the movie like that and it's just like a soundtrack to have a soundtrack it's like oh we have a scene where it makes sense to put uh, a pop song it's a sad moment so we need a sad pop song or whatever that would make sense then the studio is going to give you a list of like, here are the artists we're promoting, right? Here's the artists that we want to like, give them more spotlights, more time to shine, more opportunities. And then that starts to kind of hamstring you and like, okay, if this is all I have to choose from, then how am I going to build this movie's identity the way I want to? Whereas you might sit back and if you're the director or the writer and you're planning this movie in your head and you're looking at the script, you might think like, oh man, this would be a perfect scene. Like, I could totally imagine this song playing here. And then you get to the point where you're having that discussion with the studio and they're like, you can use these people from our, you know, recording label. And you're like, none of these songs hit the same. And at that point, it's just like, I'd rather like just use the score and control the emotional tone of everything perfectly than to use a pop star. That's like, okay, this kind of works because it's also a sad song, but it's not the one I wanted. But then you have someone like James Gunn, who's like, the whole point of this is that, the mixtape came from a certain era and Peter has had it and it means something because it's from his mom. But that is like the narrative conceit that allows James Gunn to sit back and be like, I want to put my favorite songs in this movie. And because it's an MCU movie and because I have like a good reputation and, and they can count on me to deliver something that gives me some creative leeway to bargain and ask for that music to put in this movie that I want to make. So it can come out exactly the way I want it because they know they'll be getting a better product if I can do that. And I think that if you. I think that the people who can do that and the opportunities to do that are few and far between. If you can do it, I am like, go for it, because to you, if you're the one making that movie and you know what music fits your vision and you can get it in the movie, it's going to make the movie better. But if you're just kind of like, oh, we should have a soundtrack. What? music can we put here and the studio is like here's your list of five people that you can put in here right like right don't do it just to do it <laughs> right and that's like kind of what i'm getting at is like my concern is that i would worry about having 
that happened to a Ghostbusters soundtrack because, I mean, let's be very real. It kind of already has, right? Like, that's why that <laughs> Ghostbusters 2 soundtrack is the way it is, because there are yeah. people on there because it was like, this will be a good hit. This will be a good artist well, to have in there. And there's some One stuff thing I'll that say it's like, that, oh, this this really works here. Or, oh, we asked Bobby Brown to come up with a song for this or whatever. And it's like, this works. Right. This is what we were going for. But then, like you were saying, you have the stuff that's like, why is Elton John on here? And why is this song about cannibals? <laughs> like, what is this? Was this in the movie? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, and that's what's funny to me about like the the if you had had a soundtrack to Afterlife, it would have been like the Buzzcocks, right? Is, the, is that who it is? That who's, who does that song? The oh, boredom song? Remember. Yeah, um, right. It's like it would be a, a punk band. It would yeah. be like. Like for the scene, um, you know, the Ghostbusters it, theme song it would have to be something like Trevor's in the barn working on Ecto and he found a boom box and an auxiliary cord and plugged <laughs> his phone into it. And it's, you know, it's playing punk music or something right. or, you know, right. Lucky is working at the diner. And for a brief second, we hear something that's playing off the radio or like some kid whose iPod is plugged in or there's a moment where like. Phoebe goes into Gruberson's office to ask him something and he's listening to something. It would like, how do you find those natural moments of like, what would it make sense to be playing here? But because you'd end up in that position of like, it's not significant enough to, to mean anything. And yeah, like the studio is going to give you, here's our list of musical acts you can use. It's not, I mean, I guess it could be a comedic moment. But it might not make yeah, sense. I mean, like you walk into Gruberson's office and he's listening to like Doja Cat or something. <laughs> but I mean, like, even the film, the film we got right, like the songs you could have pulled yeah. out of that to put on a soundtrack would have oh, been yeah, yeah, like yeah. the original like Ghostbusters theme song, yeah. the Buzz, the Buzzcocks uh, boredom, right? Because that's the song that plays when he's like when T- Trevor's in the Ecto One doing the donuts. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That now people are like, dude, don't sing guitar parts on your podcast. I'm sorry. Uh, and there was like the Pat clap song, right? Which you hear like mm-hmm. a few moments yeah, of when they're ki- when they're going up to go to the mountain or whatever it is, right? That's when they play that when they're all in the yeah. car and then it fades into like a creepy orchestral thing because it shows us the pit. Yeah. So it's like, those would be your, your musical That's numbers. And then, yeah. and then what, maybe you'd have McKenna Grace's credits. Oh, yeah, track? Yeah, yeah. Like that would have been the song that you'd be like, why is it there? Well, because yeah. they she's an artist in the movie and they put it in the credits, but was it in the movie anywhere? Well, not really. But so why is it in there? Well, because she's in the movie. <laughs> like, I'm fine with that. Like, I, I thought that was a great way to end the, the movie. And it, I thought that was a good song. And, and yeah, generally song, speaking, like, you know. I, I'm OK with that kind of stuff where it's like this song wasn't in the movie, but it's the first one you hear during the end credits. And it kind of like fits the tone or the theme or like, you know, a ghost never leaves a haunted house. It's like, yeah. oh, like Egonon, you know, like. So that yeah. kind of stuff works, but it's definitely. Yeah. I think Afterlife, it definitely didn't have enough to like do an album, but I could totally, I don't know. I don't have a physical copy of the soundtrack. Did it have a thing where it's like score, 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 and then the McKenna Grace song at the end? No, I don't think, I honestly don't know that that song has been put out on an album of any kind, because even when, I could be wrong about that. I'm not, I'm not a big like McKenna Grace fan of her music. Don't take that personally, anybody out there who's like, what? I'm like, I'm just, that's not really my genre, you know, but like, but realistically, um, I don't when that song came out on the soundtrack, it wasn't even something that had been like signed to a label like they added it late. It was like added as an afterthought, like, hey, we could do this because she's got this song and it was kind of 
thrown gotcha. in as one of the last things to be added to the film. So at I've least seen, that's my understanding of the situation. I've seen soundtracks so. like that too, where it's it's like there might have been like one or two songs, like pop songs in the whole movie. And so it's like score, score, yeah. score, score. And then like the last one or two tracks on the album are like the pop tracks that were in the movie. Right. I was thinking about in the process of this, then we should move on and talk about more things like, <laughs> um, you know, October things. But I was thinking about um, <laughs> the Batman. Uh, what is it? It's not Batman. It is Batman Forever. The Batman Forever soundtrack and how huge when that came out, it was like you two's hold me, kill me, thrist me, you know, oh, whatever yeah. the hell that's called. <laughs> hold me, hold me, thrill me, kiss me, kill me. Yeah. Is that the name of that song? Yeah. It was like the big, oh my God, there's a video for it. And it's got Batman in it. And it's airing Gosh. on MTV over and over again. And it's a number one song. And it's like, <laughs> we don't do that anymore with movies. Like that cross promotion like, doesn't exist. And I was like, I don't know if we need it. By Seal. Yeah, from Seal. Forever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like, but that's, I mean, remember, that was like huge. Those yeah. two songs are being pushed so hard alongside that movie. And it would just be weird to me, I think, now, if they did, like, the number one hit from this summer's Ghostbusters movie. And you'd be like, okay, oh, 100%. Like, what? <laughs> and it's not the Ghostbusters theme song? What the hell is it? Uh, well, I will say this, regardless of what happens with the soundtracks, one thing I know I need desperately at this point is a trailer. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah because I'm like i need a trailer i was standing uh next to a series of different ghostbusters fans in flight suits at uh seaside oddities visiting the los angeles ghostbusters over the weekend and somebody was like so how have you been and i just stopped and looked at them. i was like i need a trailer like i'm, I'm this is gonna sound like i need a fix but like i i need something to happen at this point because um I feel like we've been waiting and waiting and waiting. And I get that we're probably going to wait longer for the movie and it's nowhere near the weight of afterlife by any oh, means. Sure. But like, I just, I want to know what the title of this movie is. I don't even, at this point I'm, I'm like, you, just give me like a 15 second title card and something that goes, nah, 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 and I'd be happy. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, it's just, it's so weird. I think like by no means did, at any point since afterlife came out, did I, you know, lose my hype for, what comes next but i think to some degree on purpose i kind of brain dumped that things were coming next other than whatever they would tell us for the purpose of like i want to be excited but i don't want to be like desperate and so the fact that like it wasn't until maybe i think the last time you and i spoke earlier this month just you know between you and me it, it was like you brought up that like oh a trailer should be coming any time now and I was like, huh? yeah. And then that's when I met, my brain was like, oh, I guess I should think about that because I hadn't yet. And then I realized <laughs> if this movie was still going to come out in December, then it would be two months away. <laughs> yeah. And even then, yeah. it's coming out in March now. And that's in March, five right. months away. So like we're <laughs> right. in the like half a year window of like, so what's this movie going to look like? And that's right. exciting. And like, because I remember they they had showed like, hey, the, the teaser posters are starting to pop up in theaters. And I remember having the thought of like, oh, that's weird. They must have leaked. That must have been a mistake. I don't know how they ended up in a theater. And then that was like right before you and I spoke. And I was like, oh, wait, no, it makes sense. Oh, we're closing in. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's weird to think about, but it's like we had our first teaser for Afterlife. Like 
in January of 2019. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, to be fair, the plan was not to wait as long as we did for the rest of it. No, but but even but even then, the original plan was you you teased that movie in January of 2019. You released that movie in July of 2020 was the original plan. So even that far out, they were like, hey, let's have a teaser a solid year and a half before that's, the movie comes that's out. That's going to be kind of like, a record. And I think to some degree that was like a, cause nothing in the teaser was like accurate other than like the tone and the fact that like Ecto was derelict yeah. in a barn. So it was more just kind of like teasing the idea of like, Hey, we're making something new and we're bringing back the old stuff. And right. so, but I do think generally speaking, it, it kind of like for me the gold standard for like movie marketing at least in my head that i've always been like if i ever make a movie like this is the template for like how i want it to hit has been the way christopher nolan marketed his batman movies because like with yeah. all of them it was like a year out you drop a teaser the first one for batman begins came out of nowhere and like for the whole teaser you just hear Christian Bale doing the voiceover about like, I've traveled the world. I've searched in the shadows. My life has been missing something, but I've also been haunted. Something has followed me since I was a child. And, and I finally figured out what it is. And he's like me. And then it has like the two little quick flashes <laughs> of Batman at the end. And I was just like, oh, I'm in, what is this? And, uh, and so like that was a year out and then it, you know, you get into like the actual trailers and stuff getting closer and it was just like the perfect ramp up, the perfect buildup. And then like for the dark Knight, that was like the whole viral marketing craze with like, you could go to like in person, I believe in Harvey Dent rallies <laughs> and like people going all over the country, like to different cities and finding these little bits of clues that would unlock like one pixel at a time, the first image of right. the Joker. And it was, and this is before like the Ledger passed that. away. So it wasn't <laughs> even just the like, as morbid as it sounds like the hype that came from like, Oh, I got to see Heath Ledger's last movie. Like at this point he was still alive. Everything was fine. And this was just how they were hyping up the movie. And so like, in that first, like that all happened and it kind of led to that first teaser trailer. And even that first teaser trailer was just like, it was the bat logo and like a Joker playing card. And then hearing him laugh for the first time. And then like the date of the movie. And that was a year out. And then they did the same thing with the dark Knight rises with the, the teaser for that one. And to me, that's just like, that's it. That's the gold standard of movie marketing like maybe that wouldn't work for something like a comedy where you only need a few months to be like hey it's a comedy with these people and right. blah 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 but when you're doing right. something that's like there's a fan base for this and there's an expectation it's like this is what you do and to me it like it plays on that rule of like something is only as as important as you make it and like christopher nolan yeah. showed us with each one of those movies like hey this is important and i was like you know what i right. believe you yeah I don't know. This is not to criticize and be like, we should have had an entire marketing campaign that was longer <laughs> no, term. No, 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 this movie. not at all. Not at all. But, you know, I just, I don't know. To me, I'm kind of in the mindset that I want to see a trailer already because I just, I mean, part of me, I just want to know if this movie's really called Firehouse. Yeah, I've, for I've sure. joked that, like, I feel like half the reason they haven't gotten to a trailer yet is they're going to be like, surprise. Yeah. 
I just think it'd be funny if they turned around and said, surprise, we, du- we, we duped you the entire time. The actual movie's actually called Ghostbusters Firehouse. But that's... <laughs> I mean, I'd be fine. Like, I'm not going to feel let down if, like, we get to the end of the trailer and the title fades in and it is just Firehouse. I'll be like, yeah. sweet. Okay, cool. There probably are going to be people who are like, what? Because they're always <laughs> on the... There's going to be people who are very upset who are like, I thought it was Ghostbusters Hell's Kitchen. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Remember that? Oh, man. It feels like it was so long ago. It feels like, like it was like that, yeah. forever ago. Like I said, I, I feel like there's been a part of me that's just like, you know what? I'm going to be excited for everything they share, but kind of brain dump it. So like, I'm not just feeling like, oh my God, I'm waiting to like, I, I didn't want to feel like I was just desperate for anything. But like you yeah. saying that right now, like, hey, remember Hell's Kitchen? I was just like, oh, man, it has been a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is why I'm like, I need something else to happen because um, I'm now, you know, ruminating back over Hell's Kitchen jokes and things. And I'm like, I need new <laughs> stuff. Come on, show me yeah. something that's coming so I can talk about it as opposed to being like, let's rehash the Hell's Kitchen nonsense. I'm excited. But, yeah, no, I mean, I don't know. I'm very, I'm very excited about it. And I'm. I think that we're going to hopefully see something. I, I want to say, I'm, I don't know anything. I have no, I have no clue about anybody's business whatsoever, but just to me, I feel like you got to do something by the end of October. If the movie's coming out in March, like we got to get like a trailer. Also a missed like, opportunity. I mean, like, and, and you and I have talked about this before, like as much as Ghostbusters has always been a big enough brand to warrant like a, uh, a summer release alongside other big tentpole movies or, even like a Christmas release, if they wanted to do that, there's like, you can't deny that there's like an inherent tie between Ghostbusters and Halloween, not even just because like Sam Hain, but it's like, it's Ghostbusters. And then it's Halloween stuff. Like you could so easily, even if you didn't want a movie or something to come out for Halloween, it's like, especially right now with, when this movie's supposed to come out, it would be perfect timing to be like, boom, as you're in the Halloween mood, have a trailer for the yeah. next Ghostbusters movie. Yeah. Like, and it doesn't mean it has to come out now. It just means, I mean, it's obviously it's not coming out yeah. now, but yeah. like, you know, I, I think you're right. I would like to, I hope that they can sort of leverage that. And you know, there's like stuff going on with Ghostbusters spirits unleashed at the same yeah. time. Like they've got, you know, another DS DLC presumably coming this month because they've told us that Sam Hain is in it and they decorated the firehouse back to be like, you know, uh, Halloween again. Think about like, you've got proton packs and uniforms and all that kind of stuff. at spirit Halloween right now. Think about you. If they, if they dropped a trailer in the next week or so, like anytime before Halloween, you know how many people would suddenly realize like, man, I want to be a ghostbuster. Let's go see if they got any more of those packs at the Halloween store, (laughs) like immediate sold out. The answer is no, they're gone, (laughs) (laughs) but they're currently being speculated on eBay for $300 a pop, but, and which to be fair, I mean, I I actually, I I actually looked last night because I was curious to see what the spirit Halloween inventory was like on proton packs and the life size pack is long gone. Um, I don't know if you'll see it again before the end of the Halloween season, but the 80% size pack is still out there. I have an 80% one. I've thought about popping into like the few spirits around me just to see if any of them had the life size one. Um, but yeah, I figured it'd be a I saw long it at the shot. beginning of the season, the very beginning of the season when they first opened, I saw it in a couple stores, but um, I haven't really seen it since. And I have seen ghost traps nowhere. I've said this last week <laughs> in the podcast that I have not seen a single ghost trap at a spirit Halloween. And it makes me wonder 
if they are still making them. They still have them mm-hmm. on the website, I think. Maybe they no, they bought all of them for Afterlife, remember? That's what Egon buried that's in true. his front yard. <laughs> yeah, that's where they all went. And then, and then Spirit was like, we can't make any more because, you know, now they're a um, they're a movie prop. <laughs> <laughs> they're an official movie prop we can't make anymore. Sorry. Oh, man. I still have my uh, my Maddie collector trap that I'm very happy with. Oh, yeah. That's the bestest thing ever. Love that thing. That's like uh, probably the best Ghostbusters prop. Yeah. Was, I don't know. It's, I, now I got to be careful about that. The HasLab pack is pretty good. Sure. But, sure. Yeah. You know, um, that that Second trap, best. though, is definitely something I still covet. Yeah. The trap more than I do the the, the uh, proton pack. I also think it's kind of funny. Um, I when I saw a whole bunch of people dressed in Ghostbusters this weekend, I could immediately identify the HasLab packs <laughs> like because they all have the same like all the same stuff they're on identical. them and they all kind of yeah. have the same position they're all identical and so which is not to slag on them which is no, not to be like oh no, those pro those people in the HasLab I mean, packs but let's be let's be honest most proton packs look identical <laughs> yeah I need to say this too I, I want to say this before I even like anybody mischaracterizes this I am a person who doesn't give a shit about your screen accuracy, really. Um, I'm just that's not where I roll Jim, from. What are so you it's doing? Like... My blasphemy is rubbing off. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's believe me, it's been this way for a long time because <laughs> I had an 80 percent sized spirit pack with a Maddie wand on it. And, you know, I, I'm I'm not inclined to be like, hey, you have to have a this version or that version of a thing to be legitimate. I, I, oh, do, no. I do think it's weird when people show up like. You know, in a Ghostbusters Halloween costume at a con, I'm like, eh, it's kind of phoning it in. But yeah, <laughs> like, you know, but beyond that, like if you're if you're doing anything with props or taking something from Spirit Halloween and reworking it, like good for you. That's awesome. As, as long as whatever version of a pack or a trap or whatever it is you have, if you have it and it makes you feel like a Ghostbuster or, or fills great. whatever need you have to have that thing, then you're good. That's yeah, all that matters. And you're great. If you want to upgrade it, if you want to, if you want to change it to something else, if you want to add to it, if you want to build a better one or buy a better one, like, yeah, that is totally like the ball's in your court. You shouldn't feel like you have to, to be accepted or validated or recognized or anything. No, not, not any more than like a person who, uh, you know, buys a lightsaber prop and buy, and there are, you know, multiple people who bought it from the same supplier and oh yeah. my God. Your lightsaber looks just like that other guy's lightsaber because they both came from the same place. You're terrible <laughs> now. How bad are you? No, I mean, I just think it's kind of funny because I, I think other than the spirit pack, it's the first time I can remember seeing that many proton packs that were identical together. Right. Because if you really think about it, it's like they released 20,000 proton packs that are all the same. And <laughs> the yeah. exception of maybe some weathering paint. So it's like other than the spirits pack, you would never see full size packs like you, like the even the full the, the spirit pack that's full size is relative is newer than the HasLab pack. Right. So yeah. it's like you would never see everyone who has identical packs with full size. So to see like four <laughs> people lined up together with full size packs just made my brain go. Why did those? Oh, HasLab. That's why they all that's that, that's the same consistency of plastic and the same coloring has lab. That's what that is. Yeah. So I don't know, but I, it's kind of fun to see people out doing charity work. And I want to yeah. say just shout out to LA ghostbusters one more time. Cause that was a fun weekend to go hang out with them for a bit, but yeah, I don't know. I want a trailer. I know I'm coming. I'd be bounced all over <laughs> the place. And I, this is why I'm like, I'm noticing things about proton packs and how they all look alike because I have nothing 
to talk about. It's new because I haven't yet received my trailer. So, yeah. My, I guess this might be a fun thing to do. Pre-trailer. A, what is something that you want to see in the movie, just generally speaking? And B, what is something you want to see in the trailer? Okay. Um, This is weird because you asked me and that's not usually how podcasting works. Well, this is my show now. I've slowly absorbed it away from you. And now it's mine. Got it. So basically the technological failure is going to spread here next. And that's, (laughs) then you get to be in charge of the show. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. Uh, What do I want to see in the trailer? I'll go with that first. Um, I want to know not everything about who these characters are, but I would like to know who Patton Oswalt and Kumail Nanjiani and James Acaster and uh, Emily Allen Lind, like who are all these people? I don't want to like, I don't need their whole backstory, but are they good people? Are they bad people? Are they like people who work for Ghostbusters? Are they people who are working against Ghostbusters? Like, who are these people in this particular story would be a nice thing to kind of know. I don't want to know the whole story because it's just the trailer. But, you know, give me a glimpse of Kumail. Yeah. In character. Like, let me see what these new characters look like and let me start thinking about them, because right now I'm just like, what's Patton Oswald going to do in this thing? Um, will he be like his character from agents of shield? Does yeah. he have a twin brother? Um, <laughs> like, I, you know, I mean, just, I don't know. I want to know who, like kind of what those characters are. Um, and then, I don't know. I think in the movie, I want to see, um, I want to see more. I, mean, I imagine we will, cause we're gonna be in the firehouse, but I want to see more of like ghostbusters as an organization. Yeah. Like we didn't, we saw the family, right. But I want to now see like, what does, a contemporary Ghostbusters look like. Yeah. And are there weird tensions? Like I've said this since the beginning. And one of my favorite things about this movie, if they could do it with it, would be to introduce the tension between old and new, like these sort of old tech and new tech. And I've joked that like, I want there to be, and this is not something I expect to see in the movie at all. Like third act move, like first and second act, Winston and, and Ray have to have a falling out because Winston wants to convert all the cars to electric. Cause it doesn't make <laughs> sense that they buy gas when they have all this extra extra nuclear power laying around. Yeah. And Ray is just like, no, we got to make sure we keep the old girl and the Ecto one running on gasoline. And they have some sort of falling out. And then at the end, like Ray shows up with some weird, like hybrid electric gas powered new generation Ecto. This is all nonsense, but I want that. I want that tension between old and new, like give me some updated tech, but then also make it, you know, that we, that we want to keep the old stuff and have that weird, I don't know. Like it's, I don't think word I'm using is tension here, but conflict around what does the old organization do? And what are the new ways of an organization that's like now going to restart itself 30, 40 years after the fact, you know? So I don't know. That's the thing I would like to see explored. I'm sure that it won't be explored that much because that's boring. (laughs) (laughs) People like you want to see whether or not they move to a paperless office, Jim. I'm like, yes, I want to know if Janine comes back and she had to be retrained on TurboTax in the cloud in order to do all of her billing and stuff. She comes yeah. in and like her filing <laughs> cabinets are gone. She's like, where are my ca- where's the and they're like, they're in here. And they're just pointing at like a little hard drive standing on her desk. And she's like, what do you mean? <laughs> she doesn't have a red phone anymore to answer. That's like a rotary phone. Just, she just has just like a Bluetooth a cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It's like a headset. She doesn't even have a phone. She's just like, no, the phone's in there. Just like tap it once and then say, call Winston. 
And she's like, call Winston. And then it rings. He's like, hello. And she's like, no, I didn't. Be- oh, dang it. No, there you go. There is the thing I want in the movie. I want her. I want someone to reach up to their ear like the Avengers talking to the other Avengers. <laughs> like, hey, oh, I'm talking to somebody else. I have no discernible earpiece or whatever. They just touch their ear and then they just say, oh, excuse me one second. Ghostbusters, what do you want? <laughs> like, and that's how they answer the phone using like little hidden earpieces. Honestly, I yeah. dude, like it's it's so funny like this and this kind of depending on what questions you have and, and what way the conversation goes it dovetails into some stuff that has plays into like October and everything. But like, there's a, I don't know if it would be called a genre, but like there's a, a design sensibility called retro futurism. And it's the kind of yeah. thing that if you watch like anime in the eighties and nineties, like science fiction, mm-hmm. cyberpunk anime, or even stuff like blade runner, where it's like, obviously it's depicting the future, but then by right. modern standards, it looks old school, but it's that sense yep. of like, it still looks futuristic, but it looks old school. Like, I think it's like watching that, star Trek. Yeah. It, I think there's a like eighties cyberpunk or like pre cyberpunk retro futurism or not retro futurism, but like, um, what's the term cassette futurism cassette futurism Mm -hmm. it's like that era of like we think cassette tapes are the pinnacle of technology right how do we carry that technology forward like to (laughs) me that is ghostbusters in the sense of like where do we go from here design wise it slots right into that like it fits so perfectly with that era of like if the if we look at the 80s and early 90s as the pinnacle of technology and then try to figure out what it would look like if all we did was evolve that instead of like, you know, VHS is obsolete. Let's go to DVDs. Let's go to right. Blu-rays. Let's go to streaming. Like if what we you're making thought, me like, think of is RoboCop. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Like, it, like RoboCop that, is very much like all the hardware in the lab is like they're loading up tapes and stuff yeah, off the walls. But clearly like, he's a cyborg, like right? It's the future of fits perfectly into that of like. It can be new and shiny and fresh off the assembly line, but it looks like all right. you've done is make a new version of a VHS tape. Like that's what should <laughs> happen with like the packs, the traps, the goggles, all that kind of stuff is it's like, right. Winston takes over, he injects fresh money into it, but like Ray is the brains of this operation, or at least right. he's at the top of like the R and D division or whatever. And so when they sit down and they, and Winston's like, Ray, we got we got a new team. We got new people. It's a new operation. I want to make sure we do this right. Like, obviously, we know that the gear we had does its job. I'm not telling you to reinvent the wheel, but we need to make sure that everything these new kids have is top of the line. Let's make it happen. And then Ray comes back and it's basically like if the proton pack (laughs) is a VHS tape, he's made like a newer, better VHS tape. He hasn't it's a super he hasn't, VHS tape. Yeah, he hasn't made a he hasn't made a DVD. He hasn't made a Blu-ray. He hasn't come right. up with like a USB, you know, drive or anything. <laughs> it's like I've made an even better VHS tape. Like that's right. Ghostbusters. Yeah. I see, but I want that. And then I want the tension with that of like the kids, like, you know, Phoebe <laughs> being like, why would you do that? Like, just why would you do it that way? That makes no sense. Like what, why would you even, what is a cassette tape? Why would you, that, wait, we have to rewind this. That doesn't make any sense at all. I kind of like (laughs) the idea of like the base. I mean, and maybe this is how the conflict gets resolved. Maybe like the base level 
of the technology is coming from like the adults. So it's like Ray and Winston and they have right. that sort of like it's cassette futurism. It's old school done in a new way. And then Phoebe's just like, why wouldn't you just, you know, do the do do the proton pack version of like a USB drive or streaming or whatever. Right. And yep. then Ray's just like, because this is how I know how to work. And it's like, do you want to like the tension is there? And then the solution ends up being like, what if you have this retro or cassette futurism and you have a VHS tape, but then there's like a USB, you know, port in it. And so right. that way, it's like, that's the part <laughs> that Phoebe adds where it's just like, you know how in, in the real Ghostbusters, they used to have moments where they're just like, oh, no, we've got to reverse the polarity or we've got to do some kind of modification to the the proton thrower. And they'd like open up the body of the thrower and like have almost what looked like a little floppy disk that they'd put in there as if that was or like a like some sort of circuit board or something that they put in there right. to, to modify it in whatever way they needed yep. to. Imagine now it, it looks like this cassette futurism old school but shiny and new VHS tape of a proton gun. But then they open up the body of it, open up the little hatch, and Phoebe is able to like connect a USB drive in there and immediately like look at her connect it to her phone or some sort of thing and run an analysis and be like, oh no, we've got a the the power is not transferring from one thing to another successfully. We've got to crank up the voltage. Like that it's that kind of thing, you know? Hey, look, I'm gonna be totally fine with this whole USB plan, especially if it turns out that the USB stick they use for all those diagnostics is the little My Little Pony Rainbow Dash <laughs> USB stick I can, Afterlife. Dude, I can <laughs> a thousand percent imagine it being something like that. Where like Ray builds new proton packs and they're very like, you know, they've got a certain vibe to them. And then the, everybody goes out in the field and they're like, I don't know how to use this stuff. This isn't made for people under the age of 20 or, or of <laughs> 50 or, you know, whatever. I ruined that. Joke, yeah. But you know what I'm saying? And uh, and so then like Ray finally like comes to rescue them in the field or something because he's like, how is this hard for you? It's so easy to use. I built it to be very user friendly. And he comes out there and they're just like, oh, don't worry. We figured it out. And Ray's like, what do you mean you figured it out? And then podcast is like, look, and he holds it up. And it's got like the My Little Pony Drive jammed in it. And it's got like, you know, two other like auxiliary cables coming out. And it's like, what have you done to my masterpiece? <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I would love to see some goofy stuff that was kind of, you know, played with the old tech versus new tech dichotomy. Yeah, um, you know, sure. and what is the identity of a Ghostbusting team look like when it's a bunch of old people and a bunch of young people. And you know? even and but. even then, when you talk about like Ray comes up with the best thing Ray can make, and then the kids by the end of it get to add their own little flourishes to make it more user friendly for them because they are the ones who are in the field most of the time now. That still lends to a very Ghostbusters aesthetic of like it's made from a bunch of different stuff, but it works. Right. Yep. Agreed. So what do you want to see in the trailer then? And what do you want to see in the movie? Honestly, like before you even said what you wanted to see in the trailer, I was like, I want it to be like that affirmation of like, like we've had four origin movies now. Like Ghostbusters was an origin yeah. movie. Ghostbusters 2 was five years later. They're out of business. They have to go back into business. Answer the Call was an origin movie. 
afterlife was, oh, yeah, we stopped ghost busting in the 90s. And now, like, we're all coming back together. So just that satisfaction of, like, sitting down and watching a Ghostbusters trailer for a Ghostbusters movie where we're jumping in and it's like, we're back in business. I don't need them to specifically say, like, every single tiny thing, like, reference every single thing that happened in, like, Spirits Unleashed, because that wouldn't make any sense. Right. But I think just the general idea, like, I could totally see it being like, oh, it's canon, but it's not. It's not something that matters. I could imagine it being like all the characters that were in Spirits Unleashed kind of being like interns that like were there for a little while and then they moved on to another job or moved on with their life or whatever. Like what I don't want to happen is for Firehouse to start and it just immediately overrides Spirits Unleashed because it starts from like the first day of the Firehouse being open again. I would love for it to just jump straight into like the a little while back there was those videos of them filming the ecto one in new york and it's just like speeding back and forth and i think there was a scene where like you could see they were filming where there were people like in the streets and they were like looking one way and then like they hear the ecto coming from the other way and then they turn around and like get out of the way just in time for it to like zoom past them And I was Mm -hmm. telling Austin, imagine if that's like the first trailer is just it opens up like a normal afternoon, normal day, whatever, in New York City. People are crossing the streets and then some like gnarly, ghostly, whatever they were chasing in those scenes they were filming just like flies by them, splats them with slime. And they're just like, what the? And before they can even fully recover, they start hearing. It's just getting closer. And they're like. And they turn around and you just see like the blue light, like closing in on their face and then right past them. And it just immediately lets you know, like, oh, yeah, this is a Ghostbusters movie. And it just drops you into that status quo of like, we're back. We're doing stuff. We're busting ghosts. There's like, we're going to hit the ground running. Like we're we're like just full force. And like, there's no there's no origin story. There's no buildup like. Yeah, it's just we're in it and Ghostbusters is here. It's kind of funny, like what you're talking about is being excited about just being like back in New York. But what's odd about that is that the vast majority of what we will watch was not at all filmed there. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> like, mean, it was filmed somewhere designed to look like New York. Well, and the nice thing, I think what's interesting about that and, and going back to the discussion we were having about like, what is the movie going to be called? The yeah. fact that like we know they shot some stuff in New York. But the fact that so much of it was filmed on the soundstage in the firehouse that they built from scratch, it's like, oh, what is this movie going to be about? Like, we know it's going to be about Ghostbusters back in New York and then um, and and doing something right. Assuming Mm -hmm. I'm assuming that at least a couple of the new cast members are going to be Ghostbusters, like additional Ghostbusters. And you know, the, all the characters from afterlife are going to be back. So it's just like, what is this story other than like, Hey, we're back doing the thing with a couple new people. I guess this is maybe something that I want to see in the trailers, like start to tease. What is this movie about? Like, don't just show me a montage of like, here's this person, this person, this person, people you recognize. Here's the firehouse. Here's a shot of New York. And then just end it on Ray being like, so are you all ready to do this? And then just like cut to the logo and it's like, okay, you've 
You've established that like we're back in New York. Here's some characters and Dan Aykroyd is there. Like, that's great. And I'm not going to go see that teaser in a movie theater and be like, oh, man, I hate this. Like, I'll be excited for it. But I want something that just kind of like gives you a little tease of the narrative of the story. Right. Like, give me Ray in Ray's Occult, you know, talking to Winston. And Winston's just like, I think things are going pretty well for our first day or, you know, for our first year back in business or whatever. Right. Right. And then have Ray just be like, I don't know, I got that feeling. And Winston be like, Ray, you know, I don't like it when you get that feeling. It's been a long time since you had that feeling. And he's like, no, 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 the other one. And then, but he's (laughs) alluding to like, it feels like at least back in the day, they could only go so long before some other like big other shoe dropped and they had to deal with some sort of like end of the world crisis. And so then you start hear hearing Ray like reading from some book that he had in his bookshop and and Winston being like I don't know if that's like there are so many things that could happen but what's important is like we're back up and running we're doing it right we got these new kids who seem really eager to get after it I think we're gonna be okay and he and then have Ray say something like maybe the point of calling it firehouse is the threat comes within the firehouse the calls are coming from inside the house and then have it end on some ominous note where Ray's like, we're so focused on looking everywhere else that the threat might come, you know, right from underneath us. And just allude to the the idea that, like, there's a reason that the movie is called Firehouse or something. And that, yeah. that'll be it. Yeah, I'm I'm excited about it. I hope we get to see the trailer soon. It's going to be the thing to be hyped about. But the thing to be hyped about now um, that I want to talk to you about, because it's this it's the particular season and we've been hyping it for weeks. Um, although we did bury the lead and put it all the way here after an hour of conversation. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> but um, tell me a bit about what's happening this October. Ooh, October, man. Uh, so <clears throat> many people re- might remember. Some people might not have any idea. But um, back in 2020, there was a pandemic and a lot of us were uh, stuck at home uh, in quarantine. Yeah. Couldn't really leave the house. Couldn't go anywhere couldn't do anything at least safely anyway we were all heavily advised to stay at home and stay safe um and so for me i was i i was finishing my degree my at school and i i have adhd like officially diagnosed and that means a lot of things for me but one of the things that it means uh, one of the ways that it affects me is that it's hard for me to like, I, I'm not built to take online classes. It really okay. benefited me to be able to like leave home, have no distractions, be in a classroom and sure. just focus on what I'm doing. As someone who teaches a lot of online classes, I can appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I was I was in school and we went on spring break. And I remember one of the last things the teacher said in my my last class that I had before spring break was there's this thing going around, I guess. I don't it's probably going to be done in, in a couple of weeks, like it'll peter out or whatever. But they're taking it seriously. If you get sick while we're on spring break, uh, call me, email one of your teachers. Let us know they, they want to be serious about tracking it and all that kind of stuff. But other than that, be safe. Have a good spring break. We'll see you in a week, yeah. whatever. Right. 
Well, that week long spring break turned into <laughs> three months of not anything happening. And then after those three months, right. they were like, hey, we should probably finish this semester. So we are for sure transferring everything to online classes. And uh, the the last semester, last half of the semester or whatever, it was that was tough for me. Um, but coming off of that semester, getting that done, like I, I wanted to do something, you know, being stuck at home that I could just, it was like self-care for me, right? That was like a big thing. Yeah, I was like, yeah. hey, everybody's stressed. Everybody's anxious. Everybody is like bored. Everybody's dealing with their own things. Like sometimes the best thing you can do is figure out what is going to make you feel like you can deal with life and yourself and the world around you in the mm -hmm. here and now. And so for me, I, I just brought it back to like, what do I love? What's going to make me happy right now? And it was drawing in Ghostbusters. And Halloween has always been my favorite holiday. And in 2014, I did Inktober for the first time, which is a thing that an artist named Jake Parker created, which is basically just every month in, in October. Um, I'm, I'm going to mix this up real quick because now we have October, Inktober, and October. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the point was that it was just his idea for a way for artists to like grow and challenge themselves. So every day in October, you would do a drawing with ink and you just, it's just to right. own your skills. He put out a list of like 31 prompts. He still does it. He, he just uh, started doing the one for this month. Um, and it would just be like an open invite for artists to play along, post it on social media, that kind of thing. And kind of like step back and be like, Oh, I like the one you did. Yours look really cool. And kind of cheer each other on. Yeah. And so I did that uh, back in 2014, but because I'm me and I can't ever let anything just be easy, I, I took the prompts for Inktober and mixed them with the prompts for another thing called Drawloween, which is all Halloween themed prompts. And I put them together and I cobbled together a Ghostbusters story using them and drew like day by day by day, 31 days of like, I think it was my own riff on like, what if Sam Hain attacked, but it was in a world where like Ghostbusters had already like there was Ghostbusters teams in every city. So that gave me a chance to like play right. around just drawing different made up characters, different scenarios, stuff like that. Um, and then I did that again over the next couple of years, but then I kind of stepped back from it just because I got busy with other things. And then in 2020, I was like, I want to do that again, but I want to, I want this to just be completely me, like entirely me, entirely just self-generated doing my own thing. So I called it October. Um, and so I, you know this, I have a ton of Ghostbuster story ideas that I have like do. stockpiled. Um, just like in case of emergency break glass, like if no joke, if like somebody was like, John, tell me a Ghostbuster story, I could rattle off like 10 different ones and they'd all be different <laughs> and completely thought out. Um, that's what I'm going to do on weeks when I get tired of podcasting. I'm just going to call you and be like, tell everyone a Ghostbusters story. I'm going to just record it. Make it happen. <laughs> John's story corner. Or whatever. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I didn't want to use one of those though, because I like keeping those in my back pocket for one of sure. two reasons. A, because if by the grace of Gozer, I ever get a chance to <laughs> pitch anything to anybody important, 
I want to save that stuff for that because I, I genuinely believe like some of it's pretty solid and, and yeah, I, even if like, I, I just, I want to save it for that. Right. And B, even if it never comes to that, I still believe so strongly in like some of the themes and the, and like the core parts of those stories that I would gladly like take it and turn it into my own thing that is like without Ghostbusters. But I wanted to still do something. I wanted to have some sort of like connective, cohesive, coherent story that linked everything together. And so right. I brought it back to like, what is something that like, it would work for this. I would never feel like, oh, I could have used that for this other thing if the chance came along. And so I was like, oh, Ghostbusters versus movie monsters. Because like, there is no world where like, Sony is just like, hey, we bought the rights to like, 31 different movie monsters and we're going to make a <laughs> Ghostbusters thing with all of them. Right. 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 And also I figured I'd use the, the real Ghostbusters version, the, cause odds are like, as they are making, you know, new cartoons and new animated movies and stuff, we're probably not going to see the real Ghostbusters again. If we do, it'll be because they end up doing like a multiverse thing or some sort of comic book thing. Or like a weird cameo thing, like when yeah. they did the Extreme Ghostbusters episode where they brought yeah. him back. Yeah. Like, yeah, or they, or it'll be something like, oh, Easter egg in the lab in one of the new movies. There's a proton pack right. prototype that looks like the cartoon version, like they did in the video game, right? Yeah. Yep. So I figured it would be pretty harmless to do the real Ghostbusters fighting movie monsters. And also kind of fun because the real Ghostbusters, even though it had some scary stuff in it, it was never like real life movie monster scary so to have like the cartoon right. version of ghostbusters fighting like the girl from the ring or something it's just like there's a to me that's the fun of ghostbusters it's it's taking these these characters that are like sometimes too cocky for their own good sometimes don't even know what they're getting into and then putting him putting them in these like legitimate horror movie disaster movie situations and then watching them somehow come out on top mm -hmm. and to me that's like the formula for ghostbusters and so taking the cartoon version and putting them versus like these real life often r-rated horror movie monsters um that's the fun part and and that was the yeah. crux of the thing and so but of course again being me i was like but i need it to be bigger than that i need it to have a story and so my brother and i had um we love like going down YouTube rabbit holes and learning about creepy stuff. And a thing that had been really big at the time, at least was coming into being really big, was this idea of analog horror. The idea of like forgotten news stories and broadcast and broadcasting stuff gone awry. You know, there was stuff like the the Max Headroom broadcast intrusion from like back in the 80s. Yeah, yeah. That kind of stuff, but like spookier. Like what if something otherworldly was causing it? Or what if you saw something you were never meant to see? And that kind of stuff. And so we had this, I started talking with him about it. And we had this idea of a cult that used TVs and an old abandoned broadcasting station to allow um, movie monsters to come into our universe and like run amok for the sake of like some sinister plan that they had. And so that was enough of a story for us to be like, cool, we got it. And then that also meant he was involved and he's a musician. And so he was like, dude, I want to, I want to do this. I want to come up with, 
with my own version of the Ghostbusters theme song. And we just like, it was me and him just like firing on all cylinders, being stuck inside and having the time and space to like, just <laughs> right. let our creativity run wild. And it ended up uh, coming out as October. And it was, it was just, you know, daily social media posts where like the first thing we did was our version of like an opening sequence, like with real Ghostbusters, you have the ghost marching down the street and all that kind of stuff. Well, for us, it was like a bunch of clips of just showing like the cult has possessed all of the TVs in New York City. New York is under siege. Who are you going to call? And then like showing all the different artwork I'd done for the characters and stuff mm-hmm. and the theme song playing and, and all that kind of thing. Um, and then after that, it was just like, here's Peter fighting the girl from the ring. Here's Egon fighting one of the uh, fighting one of the ghosts from Crimson Peak. Here's Ray fighting the pale man from Pan's Labyrinth. Here's, you know, Winston <laughs> fighting Pennywise from it is all that kind of stuff. Right. And then getting to the end. And having this idea that like one of the last things the cult was going to do was open a portal to uh, the Halloween door and the tree from the Nightmare Before Christmas and just try to let everything from Halloween Town in that movie into our world. And so the last thing the Ghostbusters do is jump into a TV and come out in that world to stop that before it happens. And so it ends with like you hear through audio um they jump in and then there's a news broadcaster who's just like hey it's been this many days since the ghostbusters went missing the members of the cult were apprehended but nobody knows where our heroes went and so that's kind of the note that it ended on Um, right and uh after that i collected all the drawings i printed a an art book that had all of them in there um still have copies of that if anyone's interested you can go on to (laughs) any of my social media and to my shop uh i have a link in all of the bios on all of the things in all the places and you can find them there um and so since then that was 2020 i've been sitting on it and just like in the back of my head just kind of like stewing and brewing ideas about like if i wanted to do more with this like who is this cult? Why are they doing what they're doing? What are their sinister goals? Is there a backstory there? Is there a history? I just left us off in a place where like the team is stranded in some other dimension. Right. What does that mean? Are they in the nightmare before Christmas or are they just in a universe (laughs) where those entities exist? And then I started thinking like, I just like in my head, the chronology of this was like the real Ghostbusters ended its broadcast run. I think in 1991, like it was before Halloween of 1991, I think. And so in my head, I was like, cool. Then October takes place in Halloween of 1991. Like this is the same continuity of like, if the last season of Ghostbusters kept going, this would have been the Halloween episode of that year. Right. And so if that happened in 1991, like, what's happening now like is is the world just without ghostbusters and for how long are they without ghostbusters what does that mean have they survived and so i i've just been like stockpiling these ideas talking with people like austin uh my brother and just coming up with like what could come next and i eventually mapped out a whole bunch of things that and i was just talking with my brother about it like these are things that 
even if I do all the things that I'm thinking about doing for October now and in the future, they will never see the light of day. But it's like in my in my head, I know what this world is now. And I've gotten so expansive and chaotic with just the idea of like Ghostbusters fighting movie monsters. But I love taking the time to like, even for something that was meant to be a throwaway, making it make sense. Like, I love that right. kind of stuff. And, uh, and being able to like show up for just the obvious thing and then in the background, see how things connect and be like, oh, that's cool. And, uh, so a lot of that is, is coming into play. And it's also a chance to like something that I've always wanted to see more of and that I try to bring to any time I draw Ghostbusters, whether it's this or any other thing that I've done is something of myself, like something that is just like, it's not just the real Ghostbusters. It's not just extreme Ghostbusters. It's not me trying to recreate what's already been done. It's me right. saying like, hey, if I got to do Ghostbusters of any sort, in this case, the real Ghostbusters, this is, it's me doing the real Ghostbusters and it's obviously real Ghostbusters, but it's clear that it's John doing the real Ghostbusters. And it's like, I'm bringing that kind of like anime sensibility with some of like the lighting and the art style and, and the influences that, that I've had um, in, in the ways that I take something like like Robo Buster, who was in one episode of the animated series, but I, I <laughs> love that idea. Right. For me, my, like my rule for me, and this is not a judgment on anyone else or anything else, but like, sure. I prefer continuity over nostalgia. If you're doing it just for nostalgia's sake, nostalgia is a feeling. A feeling isn't a story, but continuity, that's an important part of the story. So like, look at what has happened and look at, where you want to go and if there's anything that has happened that makes sense logically why that would be a part of getting where you want to go then use it easter right. eggs are moments easter eggs are little things that's not mm -hmm. a story you can't build a story right. off nostalgia and easter eggs but if you can find the little moments where the story works and the story hits and it and regardless of any easter eggs it's like that was really good and then you can say like but it'd be this little sweet moment if when they did this, this thing happened or this thing showed up or somebody said this thing and you got to right. put an Easter egg in there. Then that just makes it that's like the cherry on top of a really good Sunday. And so. I like. The part of that, like the Easter eggs are fun. The nostalgia is great if you can manage to find that feeling. But for me, my favorite part is just the continuity seeing where we've been and seeing how that leads to where you want to go and how it can lead to where you want to go and starting to look at well, what do I love? Like outside of Ghostbusters, what do I love? What has influenced me? What kind of stories do I like? If I want to tell that kind of story in the world of Ghostbusters, what already exists there that I can bring toward that objective and right. the stuff that I came up with for this October um, and by the time people are listening to this, like we were talking about, we've had some technical difficulties, so things might be delayed <laughs> a little bit, but something that people are going to see, um, and, and can kind of be pieced together already from just the teasers leading up to it. Two of the things that are going to factor in heavily this year are the kids that exist 
in the real Ghostbusters universe, particularly the junior Ghostbusters and mm-hmm. RoboBuster. And that hits on multiple levels. Um, A, because I love taking the things that people hate and looking at them objectively <laughs> and, and saying, like, what can we do with these characters? Not to redeem yeah. them, because like I said, I'm looking at them objectively. And also, I don't fully understand why people hate the junior Ghostbusters, because I remember <laughs> as a kid, that was like an affirmation for me. Yeah, it was your entry point. You watch Ghostbusters and you're like, man, these are so cool, but these are like grownups and I want to be a Ghostbuster when I grow up. And then there's the junior Ghostbusters and like the guys tolerate them. They have their own uniforms. They have their little Ecto with the pumpkin launcher on the back. They're in the middle of the action. Like they have to be rescued sometimes, but like they get to throw traps and they get to be there when the boogeyman gets busted and they get to like, Mm -hmm. you know, all this kind of like to me, I was like, this is so sick. I wish I was a junior Ghostbuster. Like to me, that's just like an affirmation of like there's space for kids to be in this story, too. Right. And so and then you look at like stuff. There's little moments throughout the series, and it's often the moments for me, it defined what Ghostbusters was. Because my favorite stuff was always the moments like the first Boogeyman episode where the kids show up at the firehouse and they're like, hey, the Boogeyman's coming out of our closet. We're terrified. We don't have a lot of money, but you can have whatever's in our piggy bank. And then you have that moment where Peter, someone who's like the guy who's out there like, "Uh, we need money from you or we're not doing this. He (laughs) looks at them and he's just like, you know what? This one's on the house, kids. It's like, it's like, to me, that's when you go, that's Ghostbusters. It's when you have those moments of like, they realize we're the only ones who do what we do. And it matters in a way that not a lot else matters. Mm -hmm. We're the only ones who believe some of these people. So yes, we need to stay afloat and we need to make money. And this is a business, but more than that, like these people need help and we're here for that. And so you look at kids like the Carter kids from that first Boogeyman episode, the Junior Ghostbusters, Lee and Alec from the Grundle episode, Kenny Fenderman, mm-hmm. who really wanted to be a Ghostbuster. Like, in that world, if the Ghostbusters disappeared and something happened that yeah. needed to be addressed, these are the people who would be making their way to each other and being like, they helped us. They made me feel like I didn't have to be afraid. How can I right. help? What can I do? And so the idea of them coming together to try and fill in the gaps when the guys have gone MIA, because none of them know exactly what happened. They weren't there when it happened. You know, they weren't involved in the first October. So them coming together and, you know, in the there's some little teases in the, the video that was released on the last day of the countdown that alludes to obviously like them firing up uh another robo buster the idea being that like there's the original robo buster from the series there's the one that the team had with them in the first october which is unit two and then now they're turning on unit three and there's a a data file that you see on the screen for a little bit that says it has increased connectivity and scanning capabilities that could potentially cross dimensions but haven't been tested and so the idea is like if they turn it on and it can almost like Bluetooth style connect to the camera trap that they had the same way that right. unit two is connected to the camera trap, then it could lock onto it and they could figure out where the guys are. They could figure out where the team disappeared to. But then this thing happens where like the, 
the ideas that the son of one of the cult members is like, I'm going to finish what my father started. Like, I'm going to prove myself and I'm going to finish what he started and I'm going to pick up where he left off. And so it's just, it's playing on a lot of stuff that tickles my fancy stuff that I love mm-hmm. in storytelling. And it, and it, it also allows me to play more into the anime stuff that I love of like, you know, mecha anime, like Pat labor and Evangelion and mobile suit Gundam, especially Gundam. Cause almost every big Gundam story starts with like, there's a conflict and things are chaotic. And there's some kid in the middle of it who's trying to right. escape and get to safety. And then he finds this prototype Gundam that is just there <laughs> and thinks like, I can either keep running or I can stop and do something about this. Right. And so there's kind of that dynamic here where it's like, you have these kids who are like, we're going to do something about this with this robot that we found. What it reminds me of in a way, as I was thinking about it is um, there's a few different stories in this canon, but like within Dr. Who, Mm-hmm. There's like several different stories where like there's one where a bunch of different people who have been who have like crossed paths with the doctor are trying to figure out why the doctor has been off planet and they haven't seen him. And there's like things going on. And so they all come together from people who are like different people who had connections with him, who found each other on the Internet to try and track down the doctor and figure out where the doctor is. Yeah. Um, and there's another one where like Bernard Cribbins leads like an entire team of old folks from an old folks home. Who are all like retired people who are off looking for the doctor. But it's like, it's kind of funny, like in all kind of the same, like, uh, under like, I don't know, narrative, uh, kind of pitch of like the characters who have you've met over the course of the series. Yeah. Who were just like passing characters, maybe somebody who worked in a booth, you know, a a newsstand or something come back. Yeah. Like, oh, here they are, you know. And and this is something, again, playing into that idea of continuity, like one of my favorite things to do is when you have a story that's been going on for a while and now you come into a place of like, you get to write the next chapter or help with it or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's you get to kind of look at the path that has been carved and whether that right. is the good that you've done in this case, it's looking at like, we've helped all these kids and now these kids are in a position where it makes sense for them to be like, they want to pay it forward or they want to pay them right. back and like fill the gap. But also looking at like, what's the chaos that we've caused. If a story is like a car with the brakes cut off and it's going to keep going, you're going to, leave some destruction in your path. And I don't mean that to always mean it in a bad way, but just like it's going to change things. And sometimes it's going to change things for good. And sometimes it's going to change things for bad. So I like looking back and saying like, well, what bad things has it caused? Has it caused any bad things? What bad things could it have caused that nobody's thinking about or haven't thought about yet? And then seeing if there's a story in that coming full circle to kind of like bite them in the butt. and. I think there's also a, you know, going back to that, the idea of like continuity, forward momentum and evolution versus Easter eggs and nostalgia and kind of doing the same thing over again. Well, I'm excited to uh, be following along with it as it comes out because you're going to be putting it out over social media, right? Yes, uh, you will be able to follow along on. 
X, I guess is what we're calling it now. Twitter. <laughs> um, Instagram will be the main place. Instagram is going to be the big one where you will be able to see the still images, but also any videos and, and that kind of stuff that gets posted. Um, but then uh, I also, if you're on Blue Sky, I will be over there too. Blue Sky doesn't have video, but I'll be posting the artwork. Um, on X, I will just be posting the videos um, and there will be video versions of each um, individual drawing as well, just because I, mm-hmm. I don't want to play around with all the AI business. I think that's a big mess and I don't want to just throw my art out there to be swallowed up by sure science oh i um, appreciate that <laughs> and uh if you follow me on facebook which I, I don't do a lot on facebook my facebook is mainly just like family and close friends and like a few people that are just like acquaintances and stuff um i post it on there so they can see it but mainly it'll be um oh and then tiktok so if you have tiktok i will gotcha. be posting the video version of it on uh tiktok as well yeah cool so people can follow you uh, at John Your K before, or is it John? I can't remember your account now. What is it? Yeah, that's it. No, you're, you're right. It's at John Your K before, and then I think even on the number on, four. Yeah, the number four. So J O H N Y U R C A B A, and then the number four, uh, and that's TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, uh, and then on Blue Sky. I think it's also John Your K before dot Blue Sky dot whatever. But honestly, like if you're on Blue Sky and you just type my name in the search bar, it'll come up. So, well, wherever you want to find John, you totally should, because I think this October is going to be very exciting. This story is going to be fun to watch and unfold. Yeah. And um, I, I think it's cool that you're doing sort of deep cuts continuity work. I love it. Like yeah. bringing back stuff from real Ghostbusters that I'm like, oh, I forgot about that as you talk well, about me, it. I'm like, well, that's kind of neat. That's, you know? that's the fun thing. And and again, getting into like being blasphemous, I guess for some people, I know there's a lot of people who are just like, oh, like even hardcore Ghostbusters fans will be like, you know, the real Ghostbusters was only good for the first two seasons and then it became trash. And I'm like, my, literally my favorite season is season four. It might be the shortest season. I think there's only like six mm-hmm. or eight episodes in it, but it's, it's wall to wall bangers to me it's the animation peaked it's at it's crispest the colors are the richest the proton streams look closer to what they were in the movie than they ever have like the effects of like the trap and the technology and everything the just from a visual perspective like it is it is to me one of my biggest influences even now like as i draw stuff like that is if you could put together like a pinterest board of like what influence john's art to look the way it does season four of the real ghostbusters would be on the pinterest board <laughs> right and it's like it's the robo buster episode it is poultry guys the were chicken episode it is um yeah uh, the one where winston and his dad have the two halves of the key to like the land of lost objects and it, oh like, yeah, yeah yeah it starts sucking parts of new york city into the other dimension <laughs> it's the episode where like the native American spirit haunts the junkyard and they start pouring toxic waste and he like mutates and becomes gross and possesses Ecto and all that kind of, it's, it's that season. And it, to me, that feels like this perfect balance of just like creepy horror concepts, butting up against like modern technology and clashing. Mm -hmm. And to me, like that's, again, that's like a core part of ghostbusters. It's like ancient eldritch 
horror, unknown, paranormal, and science and modernity and just like where they meet and butt heads and then yeah. the Ghostbusters come into play. And it that whole season is just ugh, I love it so much. There's don't get me wrong, I love episodes from across the whole run. Like the right. Grundle is maybe my it's up there like top three and obviously like all the Halloween episodes and stuff. But that whole season for me is just like I will watch that on repeat and not get tired of it. Well, I'm excited to uh, sort of recapture some of these things from the real Ghostbusters cartoon that I've kind of forgotten about and processing and reading through and yeah, your art. And, and you like, I think hopefully by the time this episode's up, people will get a glimpse of like, some of the characters that are going to be in it. And even just in like the way that I dress them, like they're, they're going to be wearing a certain clothing item and you won't necessarily recognize it at first, but it is based off of something else from the real ghostbusters that I'm like, Oh, well, if this was a thing that existed, maybe that's the thing that they could have continued to evolve for some reason. And they wore something like it similar in another episode so maybe that's what that was and this is the next evolution of it and it makes sense that they still have these kind of like hanging in a closet if they need them yeah so so now the key question is will your brother be doing a soundtrack album uh can confirm can confirm he will be um he we this whole thing has been such a ride and uh you know at one point we were talking with austin young about doing some some uh, prop work and some video components and ultimately like, you know, that timeline wise just didn't line up, but me and him and Jeremy have already been going back and forth just about the wider world of like October and just like getting way like too crazy for the sake of a fan project, but loving it and just getting excited yeah. about it and talking about like, what can we do for October three? Like, what can we add to this? How can we expand <laughs> it next time? Um, but the one thing that, I always wanted to like beyond art. The one thing I think that makes October October is the music. And it has always felt like at its core, at least a joint project between me and Jeremy. And we want to expand it. We want to have more people involved, but that is kind of like the beating heart of October. Yeah. And so I even told him, I was like, Hey, if you're you're too busy, I totally understand. Like you have your own life. You're an adult. It makes sense. Like, do not let me pressure you if you can't do it. But, you know, like we can easily just be like, hey, that original theme song is the October theme song and it is used for every season if you want. Right. And he was like, no, no, no. Like, I want to go back in. I want to do something. Even if we did use the original theme song, I want to I want to spruce it up. I want to make it new and like add some elements to it. But I want to try to come up with something different. And uh, I can confirm that he he did come up with something different. And like as of this recording, as of you and me talking, I have not heard it yet, but I'm very excited because he's been I haven't heard anything from it, but he's been sending me little screenshots of like his music set up on his computer and like the different labels that he has for the different sounds he's included (laughs) and like the weird names he's giving them and just being like, what do you think this is? And I'm just like, I don't know. What does Gundam Twinkle mean? (laughs) so it's just but again like he and i like when i got into anime i was 12 years old staying up late to watch toonami on cartoon network and so not only am i thinking of like these hard-hitting anime theme songs that are part of the show i'm thinking of like and this is so this october 
the first one is just called October. This one's called October Midnight Run. And run is in parentheses in all caps with an exclamation mark. And part of that is because uh, when you would stay up late and watch Toonami, there was Toonami Midnight Run, which is like during the day Toonami, it was, you know, you'd have somebody say like, I'm I'm the great destroyer, and when and I'm gonna send send you to your doom. And then they'd show that same episode again late at night on midnight run, and it would be uncut. And it would be that same character instead of saying, I'm the great destroyer here to send you to your doom, they'd say, I'm the god of death, and I'm gonna send you straight to hell. And so <laughs> it was like the edgier version, right? <laughs> um and then it being in parentheses, so that's generally speaking where the name came from. It's both a nod to that and a nod to like, yeah, the kids needing to like go fast and get this done by midnight before it's too late, right? Um, yeah. And then that's also going to play into the music because some of the music that they used for the programming block of Toonami, it was very just like lo-fi hip hop kind of stuff. And so I know that's been influencing my brother along with just the anime theme song sound. And then also run being in parentheses is a nod to like the neon Genesis Evangelion movies, which had titles like you cannot advance and not was in parentheses or like, you know, you are not alone and not was in parentheses. So it's just left and right. We're looking like that's where we have the fun with the Easter eggs and, and that kind of stuff where it's like, let's get the story down. But then every wherever we can, it's like, hey, wouldn't it be fun if we just did this? So, yeah, yeah, it's just left and right. It's just me and my brother writing a love letter, mainly to Ghostbusters, but also to just so much other stuff that influenced yeah. us. That's cool. I'm excited to see it. I want to encourage everybody to go out and find you on Instagram and uh, on Blue Sky if they are on Blue Sky or on X or on Facebook to a limited extent. <laughs> um, at John or UK before. Here at TikTok at John UK before. John, thank you so much for coming on the podcast again and visiting yeah. with us. Um, I really appreciate having you on. Absolutely. Um, and um, you know, hopefully we'll get to talk soon after there's a trailer. Um yes. we get to oh my gosh. a trailer, we can talk trailer, about what was I, in it. I will happily come and talk about it all night long. <laughs> Sounds good. Hope to talk to you again soon. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Thank you. That's going to wrap things up for Extra Plasm this week. I want to say one final thank you to John Yurkaba for coming on the show this week and for being an awesome champ at uh, putting up with technological failure and pushing through so we can make sure we got an episode done for everyone. Uh, and also make sure to let you know not to miss out on any of the exciting stuff he's got going on for October. So go and follow his accounts if you're not already. Go take a look at that story as it unfolds because it's going to be a really cool and exciting thing over the course of the month. Beyond that, I want to say thank you as always to Brendan Pierce of Baducci Studios, who provides our visual identity and logo for the podcast. Don't forget to go and support things over at Phantasm Toys that Brendan sculpts and makes because they're awesome, and because his buddy Tony Taylor is a good guy too. I also want to thank Vaporwave artist Magnavox, whose version of Ghostbusters serves as our theme song. And of course, I want to thank you for listening to yet another episode, for being here as part of an awesome fan community, uh, and for sharing what you have to share with the podcast. If you have something you want to pass along, and I'm ready to believe you do, feel free to reach out at Extraplasm on Instagram, on X, aka Twitter. Uh, you can reach us at extraplasmpodcast at gmail.com. You can find Extraplasm on Facebook. And of course, you can now find Extraplasm on YouTube. So no shortage of ways to connect. Feel free to reach out because 
It's always always exciting to hear from folks. And what makes, you know, the podcast flow is hearing from you and about what folks in the fandom are doing and want to share. So if you've got something to share, don't be a stranger. And keep in mind that as Ernie Hudson reminds us every single week, try to have fun and always keep on busting. Take care.